Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on September the 19th, 2017. I am your host, Gaming Psychologist, and joining me, as always, the boy with the dirty mind. Okay. Well, it's Talk Like a Pirate Day. I didn't know that. Fair enough. <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. We're going to be talking about the Firewatch Devs versus PewDiePie scandal. There's been some more changes to Steam reviews. Development of Battleborn officially ends. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds now holds the record for the most concurrent players on Steam. Cliff Plazinski talks about lawbreakers. Do game journalists have to be good at video games? Yes. We'll talk about our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. I didn't drown or get blown away, guys. Yeah, I haven't had to uh, just kidnap Kyle yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It wasn't that bad. We lost power a couple of times intermittently, um, but it was mostly just rain. The storm just dumped all of its fury on Florida and southern Georgia, and by the time it got to here, it was more just like a constant dribble. I mean, that's not exactly the correct analogy. We did get like five inches of rain yeah, dumped on us, drizzle? but yeah, it was just a drizzle. Five inches worth of drizzle. But, I mean, it wasn't, like, massive, like, all at once. It was over the course of several days, so there wasn't any flash flooding. Yeah, there was some flooding and at uh, hijacking that giant boat in Kentucky that they spent millions of dollars on and nobody goes to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, was, there was some flooding in the lower regions or, like, people that were close to, like, the riverbanks because we live really close to the Tennessee River. But, um... In general, it wasn't that bad. Just power losses intermittently. I assume those were because of accidents. Like, people here don't know how to drive in any kind of inclement weather, for the most part. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the case everywhere? Yeah. Well, some places are better than others. Like, whenever it snows, I just don't leave the house, because I don't want to die. <laughs> like, I can drive in snow, like, okay, because I've been in Colorado a few times when it snowed, and I've just kind of had to figure out how to drive in the snow. But I'm not really good at driving in the snow, but I guarantee you, if you went and asked every single one of my neighbors, they'd be like, yeah, I'm driving the snow, no problem, and then they'd have a wreck and kill people. So, when it snows, I just don't leave. But, yeah, we so didn't get blown away. So, when the weather outside is frightful? That fire is so delightful. Wouldn't it be the fire stick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to go apply the principle of turn it off and back on again to fix the fire stick in our bedroom so that Katie could watch Netflix or whatever. Well, there is a reason why that joke is so funny in the IT crowd. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, didn't get blown away by the hurricane. Had a had a good week last week, for the most part. Um, and now I'm back, and we're doing our show. And it's nice to be back. Yes, yes it is, because it's far too boring whenever there's nothing to do on Tuesdays. Just play more video games. What, you really uh, want me to play more video games? I mean, you had a lot of video games that you played this week, but see, that's good, because I only played a couple of video <laughs> games a lot. A whole lot, so... Oh, you're you're saying that I haven't played a particular video game a lot. That's cute. I mean, I know you have played a particular video game a lot, but... And it's not on this list, because it's for next week. It's, yeah, it's for Game Club. But, yeah, we'll use that as our segue. Rach, tell me, tell tell our dear listeners about the games you played this week. 
Okay, well, let's start off with my refund. Yes, I refunded another game. Uh, Big Farmer was on sale, I guess, two weeks ago now. <laughs> and it was in the sub $5 range, so I thought, eh, what the hell, I'll try it out. And it's one of those uh, times where, okay, you have a one concept and you have another concept, and you put them together, and they're worse than some of their parts. <laughs> That's okay. how Big Pharma feels. It feels like they put together a rather substandard tycoon game and a Factorio light. And I think my biggest beef with it, and it's going to sound nitpicky as hell, but uh, stick with me on this, is the fact that you can't rotate the world. You're stuck in this single isometric view. And there were so many times that I screwed up my production line because I thought everything uh, went around uh, properly. But because of how all the machines were blocking the conveyor belt view, I didn't have things connected properly. It just irritated the hell out of me. And on top of that, all of the gameplay really boils down to one very simple concept. Well, at least the Factorio side of things is that you get X ingredient, whatever you know, it is, because you know, it's, they all behave pretty much the same. The only difference really is the what they cure you get a, an ingredient and you either have to raise its potency or lower its potency and then you run it through a particular machine to change it into a different ingredient and that's the gameplay it feels very simplistic for sounds boring it well if you treat it the right way it probably uh isn't but I was wanting something a little bit closer to Factorio. And the Tycoon side of things was also very, very basic. I mean, granted, I didn't get the DLC. I mean, I was just getting the base game when it was on sale to try it out. Because I do like the idea of Factorio, but I think my problem with it is that it's one of those, pro uh, one of those times that I can't see the forest for the trees. And Factorio, once you, uh, you end up, if you don't build properly... It's one of those games that, you know, several hours down the line, you run into an issue and you have to go back and tear everything up and redo it all. Right. And I just didn't particularly enjoy that, at least last time I played. It's it's probably one of those games, whenever I get in the mood for it, I'll just, you know, go absolutely batshit insane for it. Yeah. Factorio's definitely got a learning curve that only gets steeper as they continue to add more and more mechanics to that game. Which is fine if you're someone like me who's played for like 250 hours and you know what you're doing, but yeah. coming into it can be daunting. And Factorio doesn't teach you very many things very well. I mean, that's Their not tutorial to say system that sucks. I, I mean, that's not to say that I don't mind games that have a steep learning curve because you know I've uh, gotten past the learning curve on Door Fortress actually several times because that's one of those games that you have to relearn once you go in after playing. Uh, or, you know, not playing for ages. Right. But Factorio, it's just, uh, there's something that just does a click for me. And uh, I was wanting something uh, that I really shouldn't say simpler, but gives me a more well-defined goal outside of, okay, uh, build a rocket in about 60 hours after, you know, turning this into a factory world, essentially. Yeah. And also, probably another problem with Factorio for me is just the sheer numbers. 
I'm not even talking about the principle of scale, but also, you know, the fact that you need, you know, 20 billion steel plates for one thing in the next uh, tier. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, you know, you need some very, very high numbers of things. That might not be too far off because it's like you need steel plate or it's like iron plates is the thing that you need the most of for that. Because it's like you need, you know, X number of iron plates to make this thing, which is used to make this thing. But it also requires some more iron plates and so on and so forth. I mean, you can easily hit 50,000 iron plates an hour in production. No problemo. Here I thought I was exaggerating. Nope. There's achievements for getting numbers that high for lots of like base level products actually i mean one of my favorite puzzle games is actually space kim which is uh, sort of a similar idea in your quirkly searching space kim aren't you <laughs> i've seen space kim before but i'm i am going to look because yeah, i need it's a, a little... very similar concept of putting things together and uh, uh granted it doesn't have conveyor belts per se but it's a very similar concept and i thought big pharma would be a lot better than what it is right and you're still looking up space game space game's one of those games that doesn't look like a lot yeah no i'm looking at it i've seen this game before it's it's been on and off my wish list a couple of times as i've like changed my mind or like i'm in the mood for something like this well space game has probably one of the worst demos that it could possibly have because its demo system is the first couple planets because you uh, are the uh, manager of this factory that, or, or this uh, in this corporation, and you get shipped from factory to factory. And the demo is just all the uh, tutorial levels, and that's about it. It doesn't start to really get any uh, difficulty uh, spikes until after the demo ends, which is a real shame. Gotcha. But. Let's uh, move on, unless you really have anything else to say about Big Pharma. Nope. So, uh, I have two mobile games in my list as well, and this is the first one. Titan Attacks, which I actually have this on Steam as well, but I found that it's... Uh, I'm not even sure if I called this a free game. It, it, it's a game that you can buy into on mobile, but it's uh, has a nag screen that... You know, toss, up, toss us a couple of dollars and we'll stop nagging it, but that's about it. Like that and a banner ad every so often, but no, you know, full thing ad. But Titan Attacks is essentially a modern take on Space Invaders with uh, a level progression and a upgrade system. It's a, actually a really neat uh, little uh, retro shooter. And if you like Space Invaders back in the day, it's a interesting take on things. Yeah, like I went and I looked at this immediately, and I was like, "This is Space Invaders with, uh, like vehicle or not vehicle, but sort of level ups." Yeah, it has level ups. It has a uh, a, a system where the more levels that you uh, uh, go without getting hit, it uh, starts to give you. Uh, a point multiplier which is essential for hitting high scores uh, it's an interesting take on things just with the power up system in general and also there's uh, so, uh, the tougher enemies uh, may take more than one hit so that's where the level system also uh, starts to play into things so 
it has a little bit of figuring out what's the best build for how you play. And actually plays really well on mobile. It has a one thumb and a two thumb mode. I actually prefer the uh, dual thumb mode where uh, your left thumb is uh, controls your left and right on the uh, screen and the right thumb is the fire button and uh, using smart bombs, which is a screen clear, which also costs money. Well, I should say in-game money, not yeah, real money. Because that's the thing is that going through the levels, you build up your monetary fund and then you use that to upgrade your vehicle and uh, get extra, well, extra lives, but shields, but you know, same basic idea. But it's right. a nice little bubble game to play for a few minutes. Sweet. And I actually really like, uh, uh, puppy dog uh, games uh, as a developer they have a lot of, of retro games on steam and this is uh, one that they have on mobile yeah we've talked about them before yeah they like have, their entire library yeah they have one other game that looks like it's a match three actually it looks like they changed their or at least on the google play store it's shaven puppy limited i'm not sure if they changed their name or if that's uh yeah just their bubble division Looks like their other game doesn't do nearly as well. It's some sort of weird match three. Odd. But Titan Attacks is worth it if you want something to uh, play quickly. Speaking of games to play quickly, let's move swiftly along to the next one. The Wolf's Bite, the first Sunday sampler on my list. Okay. This is a choose-your-own-adventure board game. Okay. You are, well, you have uh, two choices. You could, uh, well, two sides you could play. You could either play as the big bad wolf or the three little pigs. The uh, the big bad wolf, after failing his residential demolition company, and no, I'm not joking, that's what they call it in the game. <laughs> after, after failing to break into the residential demolition business, he decides to open up a restaurant. And the three little pigs being upset at having two-thirds of their... Uh, retail assets being destroyed, decides to be massive dicks and try to ruin the Big Bad Wolf's chances at running a successful restaurant. And it's a very, very short game. It only takes 10 to 15 minutes to go through. This is a game that I think would do a lot better on mobile, to be perfectly honest. Not to say that I dislike the game. I actually really liked it for the most part. If you could, you know, appreciate it for what it is and not expect a lot more out of because they call it a competitive choose your own adventure game and that kind of makes you think that it's a lot longer than what it is and has a lot more story depth and it really doesn't but okay. the uh, idea of the game is that the big bad wolf is trying to build up his uh, his monetary fund his uh, reputation and also improve his restaurant by the end of the week when a big time food critic comes in to uh, do a review on his restaurant while the three little pigs tries to ruin his, uh, the big bad wolf's reputation ruin his restaurant while also getting money themselves and building up their own reputation and depending on the final state of both the big bad wolf uh, with his restaurant and the three little pigs with their how much money they have and how much rep uh, gives you different results and it does feel like a game that's aimed for kids particularly with just the storybook theme I think it would be something that you would enjoy playing with your kid, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, he does like storybooks. The, the probably the most uh, unkid friendly safe or unkid safe thing is that the three little pigs may go drinking. 
Oh, that's fine. I know some people, you know, go absolutely nuts Man. over certain things or certain words. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna say it. Just so you. Just so you know. Uh, I'm not. You're I'm gonna not say afraid. Dink poop. Yeah, something like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we are so gonna get banned from YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we are. Let's do it. Do it live. Uh, but uh, there, there's really not a lot to talk about on the rules bite, just because it is a very short game. My biggest problems with it is that I'm a little concerned about just, you know, how much meat there is on the bones, if you pardon the kind of the turn of the phrase there. Because short games, on top of everything being kind of random events and the fact that it is kind of random, but, you know, if it's aimed for kids, that's fine. Because, you know, it kind of it takes the element of skill out of the equation, right? Yeah. And the fact that it's more, you know, story-driven, or uh, it's semi-story-driven, I should say, because there is a bit of story in it, but it's not, you know, a visual novel-style uh, story. And also, and this is going to be probably my biggest nitpick of the evening, is that it could really use some anti-aliasing. And the only reason why I say that is that the very first thing you see in the game uh, is the title screen, and... For me, it was a jagged mess because I was at 1080p and it's not made for 1080p, so it does the scaling improperly. Okay. I mean, it's not game breaking. It's and it's just one of those things that it's the uh, title screen. It has it where the wolf's bite is uh, a sound on the uh, Big Babs Wolf's uh, restaurant and it's swinging, and it just it gets jagged as hell. Bit picky as hell, but you know I have to be negative, right? Absolutely. That's what and, you do. And it's also literally the first thing I saw in the game. It's like, wow. <laughs> this looks cute. I'm going to, I think I'm going to put it on my wish list and bump it up towards the top. Because, I mean, you know, I say this from time to time. My kid is getting more and more into games as we go along. <laughs> and sometimes he says, Daddy, I want to play video games. Because for some reason he doesn't like to use <laughs> Vs. Uh so it would be nice. Well, we to... need to get him to watch FIFA Vendetta. <laughs> He's probably a little too young for that. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, but if you say uh, so. This would be a cute one. He'd probably be interested in, and we could also use it for story time because it's a choose your own adventure style game. So yeah, and the thing is, you could also to him. and you could also play against him because it has two player uh, uh, competitive uh, local. <laughs> that would, yeah. Okay, I'd probably <laughs> on it. I I'd do it like do my worst on purpose. Well, so well that, that's the thing is that, so that it would be easier it's for pretty him. Pretty much random. Oh, okay, uh, as far as I could tell, uh, each location there's oh, I want to say uh, if not ten, close to ten locations on the on the game map. I mean, it, it's handled like a board game, so there's different locations to go to. Each place has one a common thing and one uh, for each side. So, like, uh, the witch's hut is the one that kind of stood out for me. The big bag wolf could go uh, to the witch's hut to get magical ingredients or to or to drop something on the floor. Yep, I don't know why I just knocked on the floor, but I knocked something <laughs> on the floor. Uh, sure, hope that's not important. Uh, but he could go get magical ingredients or get his fortune told. 
while the three little pigs can get their fortune told, or to put a hex on the big bad wolf. And the outcome of those are completely random. So you could have a hex uh, be put on the big bad wolf that backfires on the three little pigs, or that gives the big bad wolf, uh, you know, a bump because, you know, it backfired that way. Or, you know, he could uh, lose everything. So, like I said, it's completely random. It would be tough for you to, you know, do your worst when it's random like that. Only thing that really uh, has my concern on uh, it is just, you know, the fact that how many outcomes can there be? I started to see the same things repeated over and over again after just a few playthroughs. But it also, yeah, it's if it's for kids, you know, they... uh, the repetition wouldn't be noticed all that much, especially if you nope. don't play it for a long time. Not by the kids, anyways. <laughs> Cube and I were literally just having this conversation about how kids are the worst because they'll watch the same show a hundred times, and you're just sitting there like you feel your brain starting to slide out of your ears. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't have to deal with them. Well, outside of the neighbor kids. But, yeah, I'll just put out a little rat poison. Yeah, that keeps them away. Yep, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> from Divinity last night. <laughs> Won't spoil that because that was great, but yeah, kind of like that. Uh, All right, is that it? Yeah, a little story time with Rage coming up <laughs> in Divinity. Uh, so let's see, Miracle Merchant, the next one on the list. This is my other mobile game, and this is a solitaire. Uh, it, well, the oh, it's a solitaire game, to be perfectly honest. You run a magical potion shop. I actually heard about this on Co-Optional, and this is uh, linked to another game that I played not too long ago, Card Thief. This yeah, is the same developer. I, uh, I also heard about this on Co-Optional. I was yeah. like, that sounds familiar, and I went and looked at it, and I was like, oh yeah, that game that TB liked. Yeah, that I played as well. Uh, but let's see. You uh, run a potion shop and you have four decks of cards of different colored ingredients and the idea is that you have to create a four card potion for various customers but the downside of this is that there's for one black uh, bad ingredients mixed into each of the decks and also you only have enough cards to cover all your customers so you have to try to figure out a mixture of getting high point potions because certain combinations of cards uh, give a lot higher point values, but also at the same time be able to have enough of your all your ingredients to make it to the end of the day. And it's actually very challenging to get a good score. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a it's one of those games that it's kind of hard to describe, but it's a very fun. Yeah, once again, very short uh, game. I, I still haven't hit a mobile game that really keeps my interest for a terrible amount of time, but I have gotten a lot of small diversion games, and maybe that's what mobile is for me. Yeah, the mobile games that tend to stick with me the longest are the ones that are least gamey, like the idle type games. I find one that's a theme that I like, and that one will stick with me for a while. Because yeah, it's just like, like you uh, check in like it Deep every Town. once in a while. Yeah. Checking in on every once in a while, it takes at most five minutes of your time, and then you put it away and you don't check back in on it for you know hours or a day or maybe two. 
yeah, uh, Deep Town I ended up uh, eventually uninstalling because I hit a uh, wall or uh, a ball set. It would take me nearly a week to get past. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't have a particular production in my... Well, I didn't have enough production, so all my production was uh, too slow. So I was going to have to build up there. So, yeah, it's like... I, I sat down and like, okay, this seems like it's going to take a while. And I actually sat down and did the math. It's, oh, this is going to take me, at best, five days. And that's optimistic. Probably six or seven. Yeah, uninstall. Yeah, that's a while. That's that's a little too long, even for me, I think. Yeah, even if it's a thing that you really like. Yeah. Uh, but this does have, once again, a buy-in uh, version uh, that gives you more uh, challenges to strive for, but that's really about it. Uh, Miracle March, I should, should say. And it's, once again, one of those uh, just little short, uh, you know, pick-up-and-play games that isn't overly complicated as well. Maybe I should uh, get an emulator on my phone and uh, get that going. Yeah, I've thought about doing that a few times with different games or different emulators and different games I want to play. But I've never found one that I liked enough to stick with it. Okay, so moving uh, along, I'm actually going a lot faster than I intended to on this, but a lot of my games are very short things. And That's this, right. This is going to be a short one as well. Cook, serve, delicious two. Oh, sorry. Cook, serve, delicious two. This <laughs> game has probably the most fucking annoying title theme that I've encountered in a long, long time. But I didn't play much of this because shit's broken, yo. It does not like an AMD graphics card at all. Did, did you see my screenshots of this? I did not, I don't think. Yeah, okay, I may have to link this in the show notes as well. I'm going to go in and grab my screenshots of this, because you need to see this. Okay. I know, uh, the visual medium, huh? Yep. Uh, Let's see. Okay, there we go. And we drop this into the Skype call as soon as I can find it. There it is, it's over there. There you go. Enjoy. Like I said, shit's broken, yo. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's quite bad. Yeah. It, it, well, to give you an idea, there's gibberish all over the screen, and it looks like... Does part, that say data not found? Yeah. It, I, I, I was doing this the day of launch, is, from, is that screenshot. Launch day. That's the release version of the game. That's not a pre-release version. The pre-release was actually a, the PAX demo. But it turns out that if you have the details set up too high, which this is a game maker game. Why wouldn't I set it to a maximum? Because it's a fucking game maker game. Then it turns into gibberish. I, I matter of fact, when that, when that started happening... I thought my video card was dying, because that's the same sort of artifacting you see on a dying video card. And it got me to update my drivers, it got me to update Windows, because I had a Windows update as well waiting on me. And then I started poking around while everything was updating, it's like, oh, it just doesn't like AMD at all. 
So, didn't do a video on that. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine not. But it does talk about gyrating pickle whenever it's saving, so, you know, that is a one saving grace. Aw, oh, yeah, gyrating my pickle. But it does make me wonder, you know, just of the... How is that a acceptable release date? I mean, granted, you know, it is something that only happens on AMD cards, as in literally all of them, because I've there was a topic on the discussion forum, and it was pretty much every bottle of AMD card was doing this. What are you doing? I'm looking up to see if I can quickly find how much market share AMD has. Uh, well, the best way would be the Steam stats. And then hardware, uh, software survey. Let's see. A video card by usage. AMD, ha or sorry, ATI, which is AMD, has 18.5, or sorry, 18.83% market share as of August 2017. That's not too shabby. I mean, because there's more. I mean, there are more manufacturers than just Nvidia and yeah, AMD. It, yeah, Nvidia. They're has, just the biggest ones. Yeah, Nvidia has sixty-seven point uh, six two. Uh, sorry, the text is kind of small on this. Uh, ATI, which is AMD, has eighteen point six three. Intel has thirteen point four one, and then other has zero point three four. Yeah, that's uh, basically twenty percent market share. That's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. I mean, NVIDIA is a giant, but 20% is not bad. So, yeah, that's roughly 20% of gamers can't play your game. It's not, that's not very good. Uh, matter of fact, uh, NVIDIA has been getting a, a bit of a increase on the... Well, this is also the Steam hardware survey. So, this is literally the people that uh, enable that whenever it pops up. So, but, yeah, that's uh, still a pretty good idea. A matter of fact, it gives you your the the overall general baseline uh, hardware is Windows 10 64-bit at 50% usage with 8 gigs of system RAM at 42%. Uh, uh, Intel CPU speed, a, they, a CPU with 3.3 to 3.6 non gigahertz uh, speed with 20%, with four CPU cores at 57%. And the most common is a NVIDIA GeForce uh, GTX uh, 1060. Hmm. Interesting. I'm uh, above the 50% the mark in all of those categories. Yeah. Because the 480 is more powerful than the 1060. Yeah, with a gig of video RAM. Yeah, I've got eight of those. Eight of them VRAM gigs. I don't know why I just did that. Don't worry. Don't don't worry about me. I'm just here. But are you? Yes. But yeah, it's just one of those things that it. This is a game that's been delayed several times, and also when it released, it had several features disabled because. They were too bugged. <laughs> you only get one first impression. And pushing out a buggy, shitty release. Unless you're No Man's Sky and actually have the capital to fix it. After, you know, lying to everyone. 
you know, it's going to leave a bitter taste in everyone's mouth. It's not uh, well done. They did serve it up, but it definitely wasn't delicious. But it was the number two. It was a number two. No, it was number two. <laughs> it was the number two. Sorry. Anyways, carry on. Oh, don't worry, I have been. Fair enough. All right, so last one on my list, unless you want to talk about broken, uh, a broken-ass game some more. Nah, I'm good. Is Baja Edge Control HD. This is a HD release, or uh, re-release, I guess I should say, of a of Baja Edge of Control from uh, the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era, which, actually saying that era, you know, that kind of uh, encompasses a large portion of gaming, doesn't it? That's like a decade. Well, this is a decade I mean, technically, technically longer, because, you know, just because they stopped making them, they're yeah. still, they were still supported, I think. The Xbox 360 just stopped being supported in terms of like updates and things. Yeah, but this game is from nine years ago, and it does remind you just how far racing has come as uh, a video game genre in those nine years. That's not to say this is a bad game. I actually really liked it, but uh, you know, I have to be overly negative about video games. And there's a lot of nitpicks and a lot of annoying things that kind of uh, well, annoyed me. And probably the biggest one is the difficulty. Now this isn't, you know, uh, am I good enough to play this and actually give a objective review because the obvious answer is no. You're supposed to laugh at that. I'm just shaking my head, yes. <laughs> uh, but on the career mode, which is really where everything is unlocked in this game and you want to spend most of your time, you have easy and hard mode, which, all right, fine, a, a binary system. But easy and hard also has two completely separate physics systems on top of changing the AI. So it makes easy and hard be hugely different. And, okay. And the thing is, if you go into quick play and, you know, just go to a random map, you have a gradient on your difficulty and you can choose which physics system you're using. <laughs> it's why did they do this? For shits and giggles? And I guess I should talk about the physics system. It, the uh, realistic or simulation, as they call it, which honestly, nowadays, it would be arcadey sim. Uh, even at the best, because there's a lot of little things like, uh, you know, instantly be able to repair your vehicle by calling it a, a, a support chopper on the Baja mode, which is long over uh, uh, a 20-minute-ish race. Uh, matter of fact, some of the race modes takes hours in this game, <laughs> and I'm not joking. The uh, big race, the Baja 1000, which goes across all nine of the maps in this game, takes three hours to complete. That's not bad. I remember Forza 2 and its endurance races. It had a race that was... It wasn't quite 24 hours, but it was close. Uh, the Le Mans. It, it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like... I mean, it wasn't the Le Mans. Le Mans. Uh -huh. it, was, it was like inspired by or like... Because they didn't have the the actual Limol racetrack in 
Um, yeah, Grid actually had into, a, an abrupted uh, Laban's uh, race, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like 24 minutes or something like that, and yeah. it cycled through a full day-night cycle. Um, but yeah, it was it was something like a 20-hour endurance race. Yeah, and which you, you don't see too many uh, real endurance races. Yeah, there was a long time ago. I think it was for the Sega Genesis or the Dreamcast, like an actual Le Mans game, and it was 24 hours. And like you could, the only time you could save and turn it off was it was like whenever you had to go into the pit stop to change drivers, it would let you save it then, and then you could take a break. Well, but that was still like every the, three or four hours. Well, this has it where all the uh, the segments uh, uh, has a uh, uh, it's the rally system where it's a uh, stage, so you could right. take a break then. And the thing is that it's still yeah you know, twenty minutes per stage. With uh, you know the uh, uh, the big Baja two, uh, Baja one thousand going across all nine of the maps, and these maps are pretty big, and all the races take place in this open world map. So, whenever you're even on some of the small circuit races, you could see the other race courses off in the distance, or the roads that you take during the longer rally races. And it's a kind of a just a neat little uh, thing that. Uh, it makes you feel like it's more part of the uh, uh, part of the world because it well, is. Uh, but let's see uh, another thing that kind of annoyed me about it, and this is uh, once again just old school design that just doesn't really age all that well. Is the AI feels like they're playing with different rules than what you are, and that all the tr- all the on all the tracks, all the cars feel kind of slippery because you're going stupid, spa- stupid fast on dirt roads. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, that's realistic. You know, it's not a paved road with uh, a Formula One car where, you know, you could drive upside down with the damn things. But the thing, mm. but the problem is that all the AI cars, they do this old school, the AI has the right of way. And they are glued to the track. The only time I was able to get any movement on the AI cars was if I bumped them while they were in the air. And even then, they felt like they were forged in the heart of a neutron star. (laughs) Okay. It's just very old school design that hasn't aged well, but it's a re-release of a game, and it's one that hasn't been on PC before. So, kind of have to give it a pass, but at the same time, I'm approaching this as a, a game that I haven't played because I didn't get into the into that console generation to even play this. And there's not a lot of Baja games to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, hell, even off-road games, you get Dirt and uh, Dirt Rally... And Forza Horizon. Uh, um, the Gran Turismo games have uh, Rally Cross in them. Actually, I think they have full Rally in them now. Yeah, but this has Rally. This has Hill Climb, which uh, Hill Climb is essentially the circuit racing only on courses made for mountain goats, where you go up and down uh, these stupid high <laughs> uh, tracks and go off cliffs and try not to wreck your car. They're usually pretty short because they're designed around not so much going fast, but, you know, being the least wrecked. Yeah. 
Uh, there's Rally, there's Baja, which is essentially an extended version of Rally. But for all my criticisms and it being a very old school game, it is it does hold up at least in the fun factor. It's, it's not exactly, you know, uh, the most graphically impressive and there is some detail pop in, which I wish they fixed because it is a little distracting to see, you know, trees go from their far off uh, level of detail to suddenly being very detailed. Yeah. It doesn't look it doesn't look too bad though. Even to be a game that's almost a decade old. Yeah, it's it's nine nine pretty years good. old if I recall correctly. And also something else is that it doesn't really have tutorials at all. It has a brief uh, video for each of the game modes to tell you, okay, this is what uh, happens in this game mode. And if uh and it does briefly say if uh, if you have a flat tire, you can pull over and uh, uh, break out your spare to instantly fix it, or call in the support helicopter to fully repair your car. But that's it. It's one of these games that feels like it's designed around having a manual to be able to look up stuff, and there's no link to the manual on Steam. I had to go and look up the Xbox 360 version, to find out that there's such a thing as suspension preloading, which is something that is kind of a holdover from their uh, AT, uh, ATV versus... Uh, uh, trying to think of the other uh, part, half of that title. It's, ATV uh, versus MX Unleashed? Yeah, I think that's it, because that's from the same developer. And uh, it's that's something else that kind of takes it out of the simulation range, is that able to pre uh, uh, load your suspension to compress it to be able to essentially launch your car farther doesn't work like that in real life <laughs> not without a very expensive and complicated rig to set it up or at least with and that it, attitude yeah and even then it doesn't work all that well usually they just do that for like movies to get cool shots yeah but now they just do it with all CGI yeah, nowadays it's just, you know, the actor uh, sitting there with a, a prop, a steering wheel going, <laughs> and everything else is put in. Uh, but overall, I like the game. It's just, I'm nitpicky, uh, especially looking at an older game and not really playing it before, so I don't have the nostalgia factor to compare it to the old version. So I had to approach it as a newer title. But right. if you like off-road racing and have interesting ideas of how cars should go, you know, as in through the air and skipping across the road like a uh, pebble across the water instead of driving, I mean, they are very apt when they say edge of control, particularly with the simulation driving, because you're more trying to just control where your car is skipping around, which is realistic. That's how those cars run. You're trying to just uh, figure out how to bounce your car around instead of actually driving it. But the uh, simple uh, physics are a lot closer to what you may expect for an arcade racer. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, is it my turn? I think so. Sweet. My list is real short, and I don't know how much I'm going to talk about them. Because I played XCOM a lot, like 40 hours in the last couple of weeks. Because I've been doing my... You do realize that you have other things that you're supposed to be playing right now, right? Yeah, I've played it a lot. <laughs> I'm good. I know what, what I'm going to say about it. But uh, anyways, yeah, I've been playing XCOM a ton. 
and I've recorded several episodes of my VGL Come series. You can uh, check that out over at Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. Ding. Ding. Um, but I'm going to specifically talk about the Long War mod because when I went to actually start officially recording, I thought I had everything all worked out, and then I realized I had some mod issues, um, compatibility issues that were causing the game to crash, and during the tutorial mission, which I really wanted to show for um, just, like, story purposes, and it didn't dawn on me until after that I could just, like, get that from YouTube and put it on my... Uh, put it in a video and be like, hey, I got some footage, and now here it is. So I just was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go with the Long War mod, which includes all of these other mod packs that I want to use, and it's all packaged together in one thing that should work, and it does. So now I've been playing XCOM with the Long War mod, and boy, does that change XCOM a lot. Uh, they implement a whole bunch of stuff that was in uh, Enemy Unknown, which is in XCOM 2, aside from a few like special items, generally whenever you purchase like an upgrade to like a weapon or an armor set, it gets applied to your whole team. But this takes it back to where you have to purchase individual weapons and individual armor pieces and things like that. Um, it adds more enemies, more varied enemy types, smarter AI, uh, makes things like your soldiers aim worse by default. Like, it applies some of the things that are present in the harder difficulties, but it applies them to the lower difficulties, too. So, your starting rookie soldiers are just cannon fodder. You have to really protect them, or basically just load them up with grenades. And that's the only way they can kill anything, is just by blowing it up with a lot of grenades. Yeah, um, I've been there. It reduces the amount of loot that you receive from every mission, period. Which makes progression a lot more difficult, because... You don't have the corpses that you need to do the autopsies to unlock the technologies and etc. So you spend a lot more time using the crappier starting stuff and fighting stronger enemies as you go along, just praying for a mission that says it has full salvage. And that causes you to take some more chances too, because a lot of times the missions that give you full salvage don't give you a good time to infiltrate. So there's one system that I love. I love this system. Uh... So you can do multiple missions at once. You, I mean, you can field as many missions as you have troops to field missions for. I'm not sure if there's a hard cap. Uh, I have enough soldiers in my non-recording playthrough to do four missions at a time, fully loaded out, if nobody's wounded. But there's now this infiltration meter, which uh, the higher the meter gets, the sort of easier, and I'm making air quotes, the easier the mission gets, which basically it just reduces the number of enemies that are in the mission. And then if you're able to get it past 100% by either spending intel to give yourself a boost or if you have certain pieces of equipment that speed up your infiltration timer, um, then the enemy, the enemy enters at what's called a vulnerable state, which really starts to tip the odds in your favor uh, by taking away the higher level enemies and things like that. But it's sort of like a risk-reward. It's like, well, if I want to infiltrate this mission and make it easier, I'm going to get less loot, period, regardless of what type of mission it is. Um, plus, uh, you know, I'm going to get less experience for my soldiers and things like that. And it takes a lot longer to level up in the Long War than it does in the base game. Uh, you can still get to from Rookie to Squatty so that you can pick your specific class, usually within a mission, but after that, either your your soldier's got to be really good, or you've got to use one of the leadership bonuses, which is now in the mod. 
Um, you can now train soldiers to be leaders, so it makes them officers, and then they can confer bonuses to your soldiers in battle, which is nice. Um, my favorite one is the one that makes soldiers more likely to go to bleed out instead of just dying instantly. So that's pretty cool to see so a guy get... they do have time to bleed? They do have time to bleed. It's pretty cool to see a guy get, like, blown up by a rocket and be like, oh, he's gone to bleed out because he was within range of your commander. And it's like, whew, that's good. Now I have a chance to save him. Um, What other things does it add? It adds a lot of stuff. Um, it adds new weapon types and more research into the game. Uh, it also adds a blade of armor, which is pretty nice. Uh, a blade of armor is basically behaves like extra HP, but your soldiers don't get wounded until the blade of armor is gone. And the blade of armor also has a chance to roll like uh, some sort of like defense boost. I'm not 100% sure like what they call it because um it can soak up all of the damage from the attack into one point of a blade of armor if the roll goes in your favor so an attack that might do you know nine or ten damage will just do one point of damage and blow off that section of a blade of armor which is what a blade <laughs> of armor is supposed to do but it doesn't do that for every attack but like you'll get this thing called protected and it'll only do one damage to the blade of armor as opposed to all the other damage soaking through Please tell me the blade of armor goes ping whenever it falls off. It doesn't. It does oh. not. That would be that'd be pretty good. That, that's how I build my cars at Crossout. Is uh, they have a bunch of bladed armor. Granted, it doesn't go ping, but uh, yeah, it starts seeing it starts shedding off. Yeah, uh, it adds m- more utility slots to all of your troops. So now everybody can equip multiple grenades by default, and can equip a blade of armor and health vests. Like, there are these special vests you can get from the base game. So, I mean, they've carried them over. But they confer special bonuses to your soldier, and by default, they also give health. So, you can really stack some health onto your troops, which you pretty much have to do until you get the first um, set, or the first armor set, which gives, like, I think it's nine additional health points. And then certain soldiers can actually get armor from it. But that's... I mean, you need all this crap. Um, your soldiers receive less health when they level up, too, so you're a lot more dependent on gear than in the base version of the game. And then it adds uh, several new classes. There's five classes in the base game, and there's nine in the um, the Long War mod. And if you have War of the Chosen, there's, I think, two additional classes, but I don't have War of the Chosen. Yet. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. I'm going to wait until I do this whole playthrough before I buy War of the Chosen. Oh, so and I, then it'll be on sale. Yeah, by then it'll be on sale. But, uh, I mean, there's more things that I haven't talked about, and there's stuff that I don't quite know as much about because I'm nowhere near as far, despite having played this one campaign for, like, 20 hours. I'm nowhere near where I was on my first campaign that was not the Long War. But, I mean, it is the name of the mod, the Long War mod, so... It's... It's really good. It's like two different games, basically, that share the same aesthetic. Um, I don't think I'll ever play XCOM without the Long War mod ever again. You know, it's something like this that would have really saved the Creation Club. Yeah. Absolutely. I I actually donated money to the Long War mod, people. Like, 
I and I I sent him a an email or and and I was like, hey, this I'm sure you've heard this before, but this literally changed my experience of how I play XCOM, and I can never play this game without this mod again. I'm probably gonna go back and play XCOM one as well with the Long War mod to see what it changes it makes to the original game. Well, why do that? Just uh, go and immediately lose, and then you know you have your canon intro to XCOM two. <laughs> I probably will. There's been a lot of people that have died in my non-recording game. And I'm not quite adhering to the rules as... um, I mean, I'm not strictly adhering to the rules that I've set myself for streaming. But I do try and be like, you know, if I can still pull off the mission and someone's going to die, then I usually do that and don't restart or reload. But there's been several deaths in my non-long war game. Or my non-recording long war game. You really have to take it a lot slower. Because if you rush and trigger multiple sets of enemies, especially if you don't have 100% infiltration or higher, and even sometimes at that, it's like, well, I'm fucked. I am now facing down 18 guys, and it's just me, you know, my six or seven dudes that I brought along. You versus 18 guys, also known as Saturday night. (laughs) This week is Friday night. What, you Uh, want to start drinking again? Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, after that, after this experience where all of my guys died. No, it's it's good. I, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm literally never playing this game without the Long War mod again. So, yeah. I, really I, I, I tossed him a few bucks. At some point. Yeah. I wish... Uh, there's mods that give XCOM 2, at least, cooperative, uh, cooperative single-player mode, but I have no idea how or a cooperative campaign mode, but I have no idea how well that would work. Lots of people say that there's issues with the game, trying to dole out, like, who gets what moves and things like that, so... Oh, don't worry. We have our uh, strategy game coming up. We do. We do. Looking forward to that. I mean, I love Divinity and all, but we've been doing it for six months? Longer? Yeah, I have a... I think I know how I want to end things, assuming that this is a game that allows you to continue after the end. If not, then we'll just uh, save and you know, go back to previous save. But I kind of want to go back and murder everyone in the village, uh, the first village. Oh, yeah. We have to do that. At, we'll beat the game and then do like a bonus episode where we go back and kill everyone in all of the previous towns. Yeah, just uh, the mass murder episode. It's like, fuck you guys. I hate all of you. Cheese? <laughs> a day without <laughs> cheese is... <laughs> And Bedora just uh, beats him over the head with her sword. D- all even... those guys are like level five. They'll all die in one hit. It'll be great. Murder. All aboard the murder train. I'll get my murder van and uh, drive it down to murder town. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's the XCOM 2 Long War mod. I don't think... I mean, I said this last time. I wasn't going to talk about XCOM anymore, but... You it's lied. just... It's. I mean, it really is like a completely different game. It's night and day, and I love it. Well, also, you played nothing else. Well, that's not entirely true, because you have... Yeah, I have a Homeworld uh, Remastered, and specifically Homeworld 2 Remastered. Last time I talked about Homeworld in like a campaign sense, I was playing through the Homeworld 1, or playing through Homeworld 1 in the Remastered Edition, which includes 1 and 2. Um... And I think last time I talked about it, it was just talking about multiplayer. But I started playing the Homeworld 2 Remastered campaign. Homeworld 2 was the very 
first PC space like strategy game that I ever played. And that was good. Homeworld 2 is so good. Um, I mean, they basically put based the whole remastered edition around Homeworld 2 and then just upped the, the graphics and, and you know, high, up-res the textures and everything. And it's still wonderful and also incredibly frustrating because Homeworld 2 has this adaptive AI. I don't know if it was the first game to do it, but I feel like it was one of the first games that implemented this. And it would track your progress and it would uh, dynamically alter the difficulty of the missions based on what you started the mission with and how well you were doing. So if you showed up to a mission and you had you know a whole bunch of ships, then it would send more difficult enemies against you or more enemies. Whereas if you showed up and you had nothing, then it would make the missions easier. And you could kind of cheese the AI um, and you could sell everything before the start of the mission and then it would make all the missions really easy. But that really cheated the difficulty of the game. So that's nice and also frustrating because it's like mission three and I'm like, well, I remember like how I used to have to beat this mission and it it puts like great risk on your mothership and you could lose, but I think uh, mission three is where they introduce the enemy frigates that can capture your ships. And... Yeah, and they call them frigates because after you lose, you just say frigate. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good pun. I like that. Um, Which makes it terrible. But anyways, the the easiest way to combat that is to take your mothership and move it next to the target you're supposed to protect because it has just enough firepower that it can destroy them before they take over the... I think it's like a a space station or something, but like before they take that over. But then it puts your mothership in direct directly in harm's way. So that's fun. There's probably a better way to do it, but it's just like I started that mission. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember how I used to do this. I'll just do this. And it worked, but my mothership got it got a few scratches on it. It's fine. It'll buff out. Uh, it makes it look lived in. Homeworld, Homeworld, the Homeworld Remastered series, though, is great. It's gorgeous. The games still play well. I've played some multiplayer or, like, I guess, player versus AI multiplayer stuff yeah, as really well. Yeah, I really need to... Uh get over the hump on you know some sort of space uh, strategy game i played a little bit of masters of iran way back in the day but i haven't played anything contemporary so it's all requiring a skill set that i haven't really developed right yeah homeworld the homeworld multiplayer has been on the stream list a couple of times in the last six months i'll probably put it up there every once in a while again there's i think four or five of us that have it Last time Cube and Ghost Shark showed up. And I mean, we had fun. We just did player versus AI stuff after like one mission where we did PvP and it was very clear that I was way better than both of them. So then we just teamed up. And we had a lot of fun. We had one game that went for a long time and we got our asses kicked. Because I screwed up and I hit uh, just random. And I got the only race that I didn't really like. And they were like, no, we can restart. And I was like, nah, it's fine. We'll be fine. And then we got royally fucked. So I blame me. I blame myself for that one. All right, Egon. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those are all the games that I played this week. I got five games on Keymailer. I got another one since we talked. Or no, no, so that would be four. I got four games on Keymailer in the last 48 hours. So I'll have more games to talk about next week. And 
I mean, I've got all of my recording issues worked out. That's another one of the reasons that I spent so much time on XCOM because not only did I have uh, mod compatibility com- ah, mod compatibility issues, but once I uploaded it to YouTube and uh, was looking at the videos, YouTube compression just destroys those videos. Yep. So I had to go back. I mean, it was too late for the first episode because I didn't catch it until Chemist told me. He was like, dude, this has got a lot of artifacting in it. And I didn't want to just re-release it. Uh, yeah, so... that's why I've uh, my videos are typically a lot higher bit rate than what YouTube suggests. Yeah. Because if I throw enough bits or enough uh, yeah, just visual data, then it, it typically uh, is okay-ish. There's been a couple times that there's been a little bit of artifacting, but not nearly as bad as some other videos I've seen. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with XCOM. Normally, I render videos at uh, 8 megabits for upload, but I'm doing XCOM at 16. Yeah, what I typically do... Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of my exact numbers without bringing up everything, because it's one of those things that once you set it up and you don't really have to mess with it too much unless there's an issue. But... Typically, if I'm not have if I'm leaving my computer on overnight to do rendering anyway, I'll just pass everything through Handbrake. But lately, I haven't been doing even that because you know I've just been uploading immediately. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I started out originally passing things through Handbrake, but I don't do it, that. It doesn't anymore. save that much time. It's only whatever you know my computer's uh, staying on anyway to do something else. Yeah, but. I mean, I just I just upload the videos like they are, and then, you know, between people's connection speeds and YouTube compression or whatever, yeah. I mean, they're not getting the full size of it anyways, and I don't have data caps right now, so yeah, fuck it. Now. I'll just throw gigabytes, hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes worth of video footage up on YouTube. It takes a while to upload. Yeah, My upload the, connection the... speed is slower, but I've just been doing that overnight, or uh, putting the videos on like my render machine's hard drive. That way I don't have to have my main PC on and I'll just upload them off of that because that computer doesn't do much. Yeah, and also, well, the thing is, since I run everything through Sony Vegas, it uh, it's an adaptive bitrate anyway. Like I'm yeah. looking at the uh, Baja. Um, uh, I brought up my rendered video fo- uh, folder. It's at 9.6, 9.7 uh uh, uh, kilobytes per second. Oh, sorry, uh, not nine thousand. Uh, but right. let's see, RimWorld Bitter End has uh thirteen thousand, but also has a lot of movement. You would be surprised just how much uh, uh that uh, takes up for, uh just raw data because uh moving the camera in RimWorld, there's only the UI that. Uh, doesn't change, yeah. For the most part, so it's it can't do the kind of the cheesy thing where it uh, just moves a bit of the video. Yeah. Uh, have Have you seen the Tom? Fran- I, I know I've linked to you the Tom Francis. Uh, you know why confetti uh, and snow it looks pixelated on YouTube. Yeah, I've seen that, and see that's the problem with XCOM is that there's a lot of dust and weather effects that you actually can't turn off. So. You can turn off some of the post-processing effects, which helps a little bit, 
But I mean, you can't turn off rain and fog and um, like wind effects on foliage and stuff that. God, that the... oh, sorry, I was going to say, I'm not sure how Total Biscuit does it, but I know that he upscales some of his recorded footage, uh, particularly games that have a lot of dust effects and a lot of uh, snow and stuff, to 1400. Uh, in that way, whenever you're watching it, it 1080p, it still has the higher uh, bit rate. And does, I can it's do not, that. It's not as compressed. I'm not sure how he does it precisely, but I know he's talked about it a couple times on various videos. Well, XSplit allows you to record at any resolution you want, uh, and I could record at 1440p, or I could record in 2K. I don't know if I can do 4K. I don't remember if that option is in there, but... I, I think if you're, I just hate to even think of those file sizes. Well, that and XCOM, I can't record using what I normally do, which is I use uh, GPU rendering. Um, but XCOM doesn't like the AMD Vice codec that it uses to to do GPU rendering. So there's this constant stutter. It's terrible. So I have to do CPU rendering. Which, given how many effects and everything that's going on, the CPU actually is under a lot heavier load than I initially thought. And so, I had to play with my settings a lot to get this game. Oh my. This is, it prob- I've probably spent 12 hours figuring out how to record XCOM. That's how much I wanted to do this series. I actually did 12 hours of real work and testing and game crashes and recording and exporting and all kinds of stuff. That's how much I care about this. That's pretty much how I set up RimWorld. (laughs) I'm not joking. It is a lot of work to set up everything. Yep. Nope. That's fair. Absolutely. I just usually don't give a shit to do that much work. Normally what I would have done after the first (laughs) testing, like, I would have given it a couple of tries, maybe an hour's worth. And, like, if it hadn't worked, I just would have said, fuck it, I'll try a different project. But I was like, no, I'm going to figure this out because I love this game and I want to do this. We're going to do it. Yeah, I did it. I did the thing. And I've got it figured out now. So as long as there are no more problems, no new problems, episodes four and five and six and etc. have been recorded in all the proper ways, have been exported in all the proper ways. Because episodes two and three are better, but because I didn't record at the right settings, there's still a little bit more artifacting than I would like but way less than the first time I did those videos. So, I would consider it acceptable. And if that's how all of the videos were, I think I would be okay with it, but since I was able to figure out a better, higher quality thing in the process, I'm just doing the higher quality thing. Yeah, I think people don't realize just how much work YouTube is. People uh, tend to think, oh, well, just you know, flip on the recording software and uh, say semi-funny things for a couple hours. Which that in and of itself is really hard to do. That is, yeah, for most one, people, a yeah, learned point, skill. Yeah, at some point I'll be able to do that. <laughs> Thankfully for XCOM, you don't have to really try and be very funny. I mostly just talk strategy. Like, oh, I could go over here or go over there. And then occasionally I go, ah, oh, fuck, whenever I mess something up. Like in episode two, which is going to be released before this comes out, um... It adds a bunch of the the logworm mod adds a lot of new assets and things, and it adds a lot more like explodey, uh, destructible environmental stuff. But I hadn't been on a mission with a train that also has fuel cars on it. 
Uh-oh. So like I ha- so I mean trains make perfect cover. They're indestructible objects by default, and then no line of sight passes through train cars. So everybody had been hugging this train as they're going towards the objective. And I get to the objective and I discover like three squads of enemies. And it's like, all right, let's get ready to fight. And then it's like, there's a little explodey icon, like indicating that I can shoot something explosive and blow it up and hurt enemies. <laughs> and it's the train's fuel car. And all, like several of my soldiers are grouped around the train, the that train car. And I went, I just went, ah, fuck. Because <laughs> I'd accidentally damaged it with a grenade too. So it was already almost exploded. Like it was a miracle. I didn't kill six people. Six of my people. I pulled it out, though. Everyone lived. Nobody got exploded by the train that was on my team. I just, thankfully, I discovered it at the beginning of my turn, and the enemy didn't think to blow it up. Well, they were just uh, sitting there, you know, waiting for your turn to end so they could take their turn. The, the aliens may be <laughs> evil, and they may, you know, want to enslave or, and have enslaved a humanity, but they are also very polite. <laughs> they respect the rules of engagement. All right, I take my turn, then you take your turn. No, 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 I get to go first. I always get to go first. And they're dressed up like superheroes for some reason. (laughs) 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 They were wearing all these weird helmets. It was strange. So, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. YouTube can be hard work. If you want to do something right, it's hard work. If you don't give a fuck, it's easy. Which is why this podcast is so easy. Because I don't give a fuck. What the fuck? That's not true. It's not true. I give many fucks about this show. Yeah, at least two. Maybe even three. (laughs) Alright. Well, those are the games that I played this week. Uh, Well, actually, in the last two weeks. Yeah, so uh, speaking of uh, giving a fuck, uh, do we move on or do you need to go in the elevator? Uh, no, I think I'm good for a little bit longer. Alright, so, speaking of fuck, let's move on to our first topic. (laughs) Yeah, the Firewatch devs are DMCAing PewDiePie's stuff because he said the word nigger. You said the N-word. I did. I did say the word. And before we go on, because of the society we live in, I have to give a, a brief explanation. I don't condone racial slurs and racial profiling and that sort of thing but in order to sort of demystify and deconstruct these concepts dancing around a word when we're going to have a critical discussion involving the word is not helpful and words only have power because we give it to them and as long as you're not flippantly using the word or not using it in its original context it's fine well, we also, have to be able to have these discussions like mature adults. Also, when this whole confer, uh, confuffle uh, started up, uh, I tweeted out that every time I see an article talking about the N-word, I just replace it with a different N-word. <laughs> I yeah, I remember just, that uh, cheating. I, I just settled on, like, Duncan Poop, uh, you know, Nicaragua. <laughs> Nerd! Nerds. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was a pretty pretty good tweet, uh, like tweet stream we had, me and you and Mel's and Kyle. <laughs> I can't remember if anybody else joined in. It's just 
so strange to to have well really this entire clusterfuck because honestly uh, I'm probably going to pull a Trump here but both sides are not the same but they're both idiots yeah so first of all PewDiePie yeah which uh, there uh, at least one of the YouTube links has a uh, a section of it where it has a vague cap of his stream because this happened on his stream and it's one of those moments that I sat there I watched uh, I think it may have been Leonard French's video or it may have been uh, Sid Alpha's or uh, one of the two because I'm pretty sure both of them are in my list here uh, they showed the uh, vid and I'm waiting for this huge racist tirade and I almost skip right over him uh, saying it. And it's like, wait, that was it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, oh, shit, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And, like, yeah, sure, you shouldn't have said that, but... But this is also PewDiePie. He's he's paid to have no filter between brain and mouth. So, yeah. Oh. My, my brain hurts on just how stupid this entire thing is on both sides. Right. So, anyways... Oh, and, camp- oh, and before, before we move on uh, to Firewatch, he wasn't playing Firewatch at the time! No, he was playing uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Sorry, PUBG. Remember, we have to uh, use the uh, stupidest uh, acronym possible, or initialism. PUBG. 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 He, was, he was playing PUBG at the time, streaming it on, on Twitch. I mean, if he was uh, you know, playing Firewatch at the time, maybe it would seem a little bit more realistic that they would be upset instead of... Uh, I guess the proper term for this is virtue signaling? Yeah, I guess. It, it's just so strange that I'm starting to get a rudimentary <laughs> understanding of, I guess, psychology. <laughs> from uh, games media uh, seeing just how (laughs) crazy shit has gotten yeah so in response to PewDiePie using a racial slur on a stream they said uh, and I'm just like really paraphrasing here yeah because it was a a twitter uh, tantrum yeah basically they said we don't condone or support these actions and we don't want him associated with our game anymore so we're gonna DMCA or issue a DMCA takedown against his uh, video that covers, or his Let's Play of our game. You know, you're making it sound a lot more mature from their side of things than what it really was. Because It was they, not. They, it was a yeah, Twitter they, fit. Yeah, and uh, he went off on how uh, childish PewDiePie is, and how other game developers need to stand up to this man-child that uh, he's uh, gone on for way too long. I mean, it's just... Um, what the hell? I mean, first of all, yes. And? Second of all, that's not how you go about making that statement. And third of all, abusing the uh, our copyright system is not the way to handle this. Now, there are lawyers on both sides that are saying, you know, yes, this was a proper way to use the DMCA takedown, and other lawyers are saying, no, it's not. Which is also another problem with the DMCA to begin with, because it's not made to handle this situation to begin with. And it's it's one of those situations where 
It's their only tool, or their best tool, I guess I should say. And when your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a fucking nail. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if this goes to court, the lawyers will decide, and regardless of how stupid the decision comes out, that sets legal precedent. Well, it's, uh, I can't talk to tonight. Jesus. Yeah, this isn't it's, going it's, to go to court because PewDiePie basically uh, took down the video and uh, did kind of an apology, but he also uh, talked about how the DMCA is uh, hurting uh, gamers or, or game streamers and uh, gamers on YouTube, which he's right. Yep. I mean, the idiot has a point. <laughs> well, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. I, I shouldn't say that because PewDiePie... Or, or, Felix, when he's Felix, yeah, he's very articulate and he's very smart. Yeah. I but mean, I don't dude, like his character. I mean, it's the same thing that I have with Boogie. When Boogie's Boogie, uh, I like him. But when he's Francis and is really a parody of really outraged gamers, I mean, it's not even taking the outrage with Francis. It's making fun of the outrage, which sometimes the outrage has a good point. Yeah, it's the same thing with uh, PewDiePie. You know, I don't like PewDiePie. Yeah, but that doesn't yeah. mean that you know it's okay to uh, abuse the DMCA. Uh, this right. is the year of DMCA abuse, or I should say, high-profile DMCA abuse. Yeah. Um, I I think I do believe wholeheartedly that this is misuse of the DMCA. I don't. Uh, someone might be able to win a legal case for it, but I don't think that legitimately this is how it's supposed to be used. And it seems like most people are in agreement with that fact, at least most people that I follow and keep up in the news with. Yeah, so the, yeah, I think the main thing that is against uh, Firewatch for really making this not look good on them is the fact that it had literally nothing to do with them outside of the fact that PewDiePie covered their game what, two years ago? Yeah, it was uh, two or three years ago. So, uh, who even remembers PewDiePie playing this game to begin with? Outside yeah. of PewDiePie's fans, which even then... There, there's some interesting <clears throat> numbers when it comes to PewDiePie that... Yes, he does drive sales, but he doesn't drive as many sales as someone of his size should. Yeah. Because most of his audience are kids and teenagers. You know, people that have very low to no income to spend on things like that. And honestly, they're not the kind of people that would be interested in those sorts of games anyways. I mean... They're in, Pe- they're there to see PewDiePie be PewDiePie. Yeah. And there's also another article that you may have missed. Uh, it's also in this list that uh, gaming must get its uh, house in order. And it's talking mostly about the PewDiePie uh uh, clusterfuck to begin with how everything is really in this legal gray zone and it's very possible that YouTube gaming and let's plays could just go away with a bad court decision and having things like PewDiePie draw the ire of indie devs uh, that are trying to make themselves look bad. What, what is the... Uh, what is the end game here? Is it literally just virtue signaling, trying to say, uh, we're outraged, we're going to uh, uh, be a massive, massive, huge cocks about this? To what end? Uh, PR. 
There's that old saying that there's no such thing as bad PR. Have they seen a bump in game sales? I have no idea. In the last two or three weeks? That would be an interesting thing for me to go hunting for because uh, I imagine Steam Spy would be able to uh, find out about that. Yeah. I mean, it very well could be, hey, we don't support this and we're going to strike back. And this is how we strike back. But a very cynical part of me is saying they saw this as an opportunity to sell a few more games because Firewatch, you know, it's been out for a couple of years. It's seen the initial bulk of its sales, and I'm sure it gets sales, you know, when the game goes on sale still. Um, I mean, the devs are still around. They obviously haven't gone bankrupt. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like this could be some cheap, I mean, basically free publicity hmm. for their game. Yeah, I need to check something because if I'm reading this right, they uh, actually lost owners. Really? People... Refunded. Well, yeah, but I mean, most people wouldn't be able to refund unless they bought it recently. It may have been recently on sale as well. Well, it doesn't look like it though. But it's also, yeah. Uh, well, it's, Firewatch is not a cheap game for what it is. You know, I'm just seeing. Yeah, if I'm if I'm reading this right, I'm gonna link this to you and I'm gonna put it in the show notes. Okay. I'm pretty sure they lost uh, owners in this. They got refunded. Uh, and let me drop that onto the show notes. Am I reading that right? Uh, let's see. Uh, it's the chart on the right there. Owner data. Of the... Uh, this uh, the entire thing would be the uh, that downturn. It does look like there was a uh, loss of a few thousand owners from uh, the beginning of the month. Uh, but it's gone down, 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 down. Eight forty-seven to seven fifty-nine. That's seventy-ish thousand less. Yeah, when this this started, pretty much uh, the beginning of the month. Or yeah, we missed last week, and it started uh, pretty much uh, the weekend before our last recording. So the seventh and eighth, I believe. If I recall correctly. So, yeah, this, you could see kind of the downturn. You see a little bit of an uptick, but then a quick downturn. Yeah, but it looks like an audience. It's, it, during that time, it gained more, more playtime, higher engagement. Yeah, this is such a, it's kind of tough to really tell, but it does look like at least owners went down. Yeah. But, which that's a lot of owners going down. Yeah. Odd. Odd indeed. Yeah, and hourly concurrent users are way down. But then again, yeah, that doesn't really matter because it's just a single player game anyway. It does seem like <laughs> there's really nobody playing it on uh, outside, the, well, until a couple of weeks ago, or uh, yeah, was playing even on Twitch. It got a, it got a Twitch bump. Yeah. During that time. Yeah, which honestly, here's the here's the odd thing, and here's the thing that really makes me uh, and maybe take this off my wish list, is that they just showed that if you do anything that pisses off this developer, it doesn't matter if it has anything to do with their game whatsoever. If you have that game on your YouTube channel, 
they will eventually throw a hissy fit because given enough time, you will piss someone off. I mean, I yeah. think that's pretty much uh, a guaranteed thing. You know, just give it enough time and they'll throw a copyright strike at you. Who would want to ch- touch them now? I mean, that's a valid point, but I mean, a uh, lot well, of... That's why I'm a little uh, perplexed about the streamer uptick, is that who would want to touch that when they've already shown that they'll throw a f- huge fit when, you know, they see something that they don't like. Granted, you know, it, it's probably just due to it being PewDiePie, and they're trying to just throw this huge fit to uh, get attention to them, and also to make themselves uh, look like, oh, we don't uh, support racism, we're going to take out this closeted racist, which they actually called PewDiePie a closeted racist in their Twitter tantrum. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know, I bet the streamers, though, going back to that, are people trying to capitalize on probably. it being in the news cycle. That's probably what that is. I really expected there to be an uptick in sales or something, but I guess not. Yeah, if anything, they uh, lost sales and, oh boy, their uh, Steam reviews took a, a hell of a hit. I have a hard time believing that they lost like 70,000 users. Uh, that might be an error. I don't uh, know. Steam Spy is pretty spot on on their users. Okay. Weird. I wish there was some way we could find out more information or verify that. Oh, unfortunately, there really isn't. Steam Spot is about it. Yeah. And granted, you know, uh, I really do need to register for Steam Spot because I haven't really done it. And it does hide some things with a, behind the login, but, you know, it does show you the owners right there. Yep. I just, just created an account. Yeah, I just didn't want to do it right now. Uh, what does changes show? I'm going to look at it right now. Ch-ch-ch-changes. Jaden, you got your mama's smile. It does it's seem like it has a hell of an uptick on YouTube, but that's... I would imagine most of that is probably people talking about it as a news feed. Because this probably picks up the YouTube tag of Firewatch. And uh, it just goes from there because... Views in the last week, uh, 1.5 million. <laughs> what are you talk- I am logged in. <laughs> oh, I verified my email. I'm logged in. Here we go. Alrighty. So what are you? Uh, what was changes? Uh, or is that just uh, like patches? Uh, it's change in owners. All right. So, that's July. When exactly did it happen? Uh, I want to say uh, the weekend before our last scheduled recording, but I'm not 100% certain. So that would be around the 9th? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna guess the eighth or the ninth. I really should have wrote down exactly when this happened, but it doesn't seem to be all that important. Hmm. I mean, according to the changes, it's up. There's no negatives on here. But then there's a disclaimer at the bottom that says this feature is experimental and really not accurate. 
The margin of error becomes huge when applied to changes in owners as opposed to just owners. This data is based on changes in owners. On three-day time samplings, it will show nothing for games with recent free weekends. Okay, so let's just uh, go with the owner uh, graph, and that is a pretty big downtick. And just based on what happened to their Steam page and the fact that they went full-on dictator on their Steam forms, which honestly can't really blame them there with some of the stuff going on with the Steam forums. Uh, They uh, had a lot of people pissed and still do probably. All right, so for the time frame for when this news happened roughly, there is an uptick on those numbers, but then it goes back down. Yeah, I wonder so, if that's people buying the game to re, uh, to review bomb them. Maybe. Because, well, uh, the next feature, or the next thing we're going to talk about is actually on here uh, already. Uh, have you looked at the Firewatch store? No, I haven't yet. Yeah, go check Done. that out. Oh, shoot. I haven't seen this now, or re- yet. That's because it came out today. Oh. Okay, like <laughs> like seven like seven minutes ago today. Date range. Yeah, isn't that so, cool? Yeah. Well, let's you, so let's just go ahead and move on topics to that. Now that we're literally looking at this right now, yeah, they added a histogram to Steam reviews, uh, partly to respond. Well, not just to Firewatch, but review bombs in general, because that's become a rather popular protest activity to say the least and they really talked a lot in the blog post which once again show notes about possible ways to counteract review bombing and there's not a lot of options that they could do without really kind of taking away the power of the reviews and they didn't want to do that so instead they decided to open up more info Oh, shoot. I don't know if this is just because of I'm doing this in my browser with, what is it, Steam Enhanced uh, no, or whatever I'm, turned on? I'm on, I'm on Firefox without any Steam uh, stuff, and it, well, it, it has it there. Well, no, what I'm saying is I can just click and drag across the graph and get specific reviews and stuff. Yeah, that's, but, that's base. Okay. All right. Sweet. This is a really neat feature. I mean, it's just uh, having more <laughs> information easily accessible by people is always a good thing. And, and this are, just allows you to to spot spikes and dips and reviews, and you can hone in on those and read reviews from those times. And it pops up a, a warning, how volume of negative reviews detected. And, yeah. And allows you to see only those or exclude those to figure out, okay, well, excluding the review bomb, what does people say about it? Yeah. Yeah, when Valve uh, wakes up and actually adds a feature to Steam, it actually is really impressive. Shame they don't do it more often, huh? Yes, shame they don't actually do real things that benefit their customers more often. Can't hear you making Dota 2 card game. (laughs) Oh, I only joke because it saddens me. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, this was not like a huge topic that we were going to talk about. We were just going to say that sounds like a really good thing. And then... I didn't realize it was already out until I I was going to the Firewatch site and I scrolled down. It's like, ooh, they're... It's there already. Yeah. 
And yep, Firewatch has been review bombed starting around September 9th, September 10th. Well, it started the range of September 11th, but yeah, a couple days or a day or two for yeah the PewDiePie army to really get going because that's also part of what's going on is PewDiePie has a lot of followers and a lot of followers that have way too much free time on their hands. Isn't it? Isn't he getting close to 60 million? Well, pretty much. I mean, PewDiePie is hugely ahead of everyone else. I'm looking at the top uh, subscribed YouTube channel just to see where the others are lying. Well, the Wikipedia page is probably as good as any. Yeah, he's at 57 million with the... You have to combine number two and number three in order to uh, get... uh, to PewDiePie, and number three is Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize he was still relevant. Uh, me neither. I saw something on Reddit the other day, though. Like, it was on the front page about, like, Justin Bieber's STD testing results or something, and I was like, who gives a shit? Well, obviously, who any anyone that he's been fucking lately. Yeah, I all, guess. All those, all those fangirls. That's a good point, but... <laughs> all right. Now I'm an asshole. <laughs> Although, what else is new? Other well, than those people, I'm who the gives asshole. a shit? Well, let's put it this way. Um, outside of PewDiePie, which uh, uh, is a cell phone channel, in order to get a, this next cell phone channel, you have to go all the way down to number 12, which is a Portuguese channel. And it's the top-rated Portuguese channel. Interesting. As a matter of fact, number two is Ola Soy German. It's a, uh, it's from Chile, <laughs> and it's in Spanish. So that'd be the highest rated or highest subscribed Spanish channel. All right. And there's some interesting numbers on here. Uh, to make the top 100, you have to be. It looks like 13. Million uh, subscribers now. That's a lot of people. It is. It's too many people for me. It's too many. I don't hey, want Taylor Swift is number eight. <laughs> good. good for you, Taylor Swift. I'd be happy with like a thousand subscribers. That's good. That's like that's a good audience, manageable by one person, less likely to get out of hand. And even if it does get out of hand. It's only a thousand people on the internet. That's like nothing. Yeah, only uh, a thousand people to show up at your doorstep. Bring them uh, on. <laughs> I have a real life uh, pubka. <laughs> well, I do have real life guns, so you know, just take my shirt off and go forage for food for a little while. Yeah, it's good enough. Same thing, really. Uh, but do we really have anything else to say on either, uh, you know, uh, the clusterfuck that is PewDiePie? Well, or at least I should say this clusterfuck because, yeah, PewDiePie, he, he's paid to say outrageous things and then people get outraged by him saying outrageous things. I just don't understand that. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I wonder if it's partly because of his audience, not... Not the numbers, per se, but the age range. Maybe. You know, if he was, if he wasn't so popular with the younger demographic, uh, do you think people would care as much if he paid people to uh, hold up a, a anti-Semitic sign? 
probably, but not as much. Well, obviously they're, the Jews would be upset, but still, I mean, they're, they're always upset. People's outrage would be like an eight, but because he has so many young people and kids in his audience, then that makes it like an 11. Because this one goes up to 11. Why do you make the outrage just louder? Because <laughs> it goes up to 11. Because Twitter only has 140 characters. Yeah. Anyways, I I don't have anything else to say about it. So, so that's all we have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, and I'm sure yeah we're going to have more DMC. Uh, hey, Alex Mallers has her court case coming up uh, soon. So we'll, ha- we'll have that. <laughs> oh, yay. Well, yeah, let's... yeah supposedly she's uh, uh, gone completely batshit insane. Again, or worse. Well, uh, she's uh, talking about how it doesn't seem real and she hasn't gotten a lawyer. So, she, you know, she's uh, going to end up in jail. Good for her, I guess. Hope you like it. Anyways, let's move it on to our next topic. Development on Battleborn officially ends as the game enters maintenance mode. Need to need to play taps. <laughs> uh, oh, Battleborn. I heard you do something. I wasn't sure if you were about to just break out a kazoo or something. <laughs> no, I was popping. I was popping my fingers. Oh, well. Between this and another topic we have coming up, I think it's safe to say that developers need to stop playing "Follow the Leader" for video games. Do you think that's a fair thing? I think so, because it happens time and time again where. There's a particular game that becomes very popular, and then everybody tries to cash in on it. And some people, uh, some developers, you know, are able to, you know, get that in there and, you know, uh, make money. Yeah, uh, Overwatch became a very successful. Pounds is able to become very successful. But then we have things like Battleborn that uh, tries to be Overwatch, but they... Well, their entire ad campaign was that we're not bad, we're not Overwatch, and released around the time Overwatch came out, and has a very similar player base to Overwatch. Yeah, that's not a recipe for disaster, is it? Nope. I mean, the, a market can only support so many players in a particular genre, and in markets that have massive juggernauts. You, you know, you have room for three, maybe four games, and then you just get down to the the more niche versions of that game. And if you don't have something like a, a gimmick or, you know, something that makes your game truly unique, and then that thing also being awesome, your game just won't do well I in mean, that environment. I mean, just look at the MOBA genre. I mean, you have League, you have Dota. Then a very distant third would be, I guess, Here's a New Earth. Or, or sorry, here's the storm. Here's the new earth. Uh, it would be fourth or fifth now. Then you have just a, a bunch of random little ones, and then you have kind of the weird uh, sort of bobas, but sort of nots. Like awesome nuts it still has a fairly decent player base, but it's more of a two D platformer slash boba than pure moba. So it's why do developers think that? they could pull players away from a very dedicated game because things like Overwatch 
guess the basic skills will uh trans uh, will transition but once you're so dedicated to a game that you're spending you know 20 hours a week playing you're not leaving overwatch until it you know, uh dies or until it does something stupid yeah or you've played it for so long that you're done but that takes for most people that takes a long time yeah and also once you get to that point where you're done I don't imagine people stick with the genre that much, or at least uh, immediately stick with the genre. They may yeah. come back eventually, but you know, if I'm done with Overwatch, I wouldn't imagine I would look for another hero shooter. I would try something different. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would do that. Try something different. I think partly devs, particularly big companies or you know bigger companies, go. Oh man, they're this one thing is making money hand over fist. We can get some of that money. That Do you think the phrase uh, "money on the table" uh, comes into play? Oh, I'm sure it does. There's that. Plus, there is this odd migratory community that exists for uh, um, the survival crafting genre, and I think everyone wants to figure out how to get that too. Yeah, and I would say the survival or. The Battle Royale, but I think uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds has done that with uh, other games kind of cashing, trying to cash in. I mean, hell, GTA Five has a, a Battle Royale mode now. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think that there are those two things going on. Like companies are like, oh, we'll swoop in here and we'll get some of their market share, and we'll we'll be the one that gets the people that aren't playing in this in this genre, and that just doesn't work with gaming because games are little communities that form and people stay with their friends or you know they pick one thing and because of um you know the sunk cost fallacy they'll stick with it instead of trying something new i'm not sure if it's really a fallacy so much with well uh, okay it still is a fallacy but uh well let's use the bubba genre again uh, just for uh the ease of use here is that Going into a boba, it requires a lot of learning of various heroes and le- or whatever the, that version's calling it. It's heroes or champions or whatever, right? And you're learning usually dozens of different uh, people or different uh, playable characters. Why would someone want to go away from that when they have to start at base level again? You're not pulling those people away. Well, that's true, but one of my favorite things about those games is starting from nothing and working up to something and then doing it again. But I'm weird. Yeah, There's probably yeah, way less both, of me. We are both not the average gamers. Yeah, there's We've probably way less of before. me out there. We're above average at something. Yay! Yay, we're, uh, we're above average because we're buffet gamers. <laughs> I'll take a little. Bit, I'll take a little bit of a uh, HD remake of a, a racing game, and ooh, look, a comparative uh, choose your own adventure. I'm uh, this. I mean, these last two weeks, I've exclusively been eating at the strategy salad bar. Uh, that it's more like a pig drop at this point for you. <laughs> nom 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 nom. <laughs> oh. Anyways, we kind of we kind of stepped into our next topics territory as well. Um, yeah, yeah, we're being 
almost a perfect segues this week. Almost. It's, it's almost, almost like we planned out our topics a little better for once. Well, I may have uh, been some doing some juggling. Yeah, I saw you do that. Anyways, Cliff Blazinski on Lawbreakers, he uh, has a quote that's part of the, the headline, I have to keep this game alive. So you're skipping number five. Oh, you're right. I did skip number five. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I, had just, I just had to fuck it up. Yeah, uh, well, that is you. You are a fuck up. <laughs> number five, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds now holds the record for most concurrent players on Steam all of all time. So it beat out Dota 2 finally. Yeah, well, Dota 2 uh, it ha- had a record on one of the invitationals, and Dota had a, a way to be able to view the streams in-game, and that's where the... Uh, peak was, if I recall correctly. And PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds beat that. And I really wish I had some of the numbers on this. Uh, not for the total players, because it is just a stupid amount of players. As a matter of fact, at the same time this uh, achievement hit, this milestone, Steam hit a 15 million player concurrent player base. Over 1 in 15 players on Steam was playing PUBG. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And I just have to wonder, and this is going to sound a a little bit sour grapes, but I have to wonder just how many bot AFK farmers there are in this game right now. A few. That's a a problem that they're having. Yeah, they've been talking about the last patch uh, doing something about that, but I haven't seen anyone giving me any details on that. I'm not sure how just how effective that's been, but yeah, player in the battleground, it, it, it's market on the uh, steam market is just insane. It, yeah. I mean, it's worse than the worst day of TF2's market. It's the worst than play and then, uh, uh, counter-strike goes market. I mean, it has a $500 skirt. It does, but I kind of applaud them for that. Like, if you can drive up the price on a stupid in-game skirt to five hundred bucks, you deserve I just the money that some idiot that pays is. you. I have no idea. I probably don't want to know how rare that is. No, probably not. And there's so many people that's talked about how uh, they made their money back already on the marketplace and are looking forward to more releases on the microtransactions. And it's just stop doing that. <laughs> So, I was originally very interested in this game, but it's just sort of grown into this mass, and I'm like, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. <laughs> I don't I don't want anything to do with this game anymore. Well, it's not even just that. It's all the controversy around it with the streamers and how they... It's kind of the inverse of what Firewatch is, to be perfectly honest, how they're doing everything they can to bend over backwards to make streamers happy to get more streamers to play their game and possibly screwing over the general player base to do it. Yet somehow still this game is uh, taking off like crazy. And I, I don't understand. Yeah. It's just like that phenomenon, like something most people are not like me. Most people, whenever they see something like this, they want to go check it out and see what's up. Like, over a million people were playing this game today. 
I have to go see what this is. It must be a good, cool, important thing. And I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, you know, Psych 101. Most people are drawn to whatever's popular because it's like if a million people like this thing, they can't be wrong, right? And so it just kind of continues to build on itself. So wait, am I weird for not doing that? Uh, are we both weird? We're both weird. We're in the minority. Weirdo. So, yeah, weirdo. Uh, well, well the, th- the, the odd thing here is that Player Known Battlegrounds has such a roller coaster ride. I mean, granted, every game on Steam has a roller coaster ride because, you know, it's just, you know, you have your peak hours, you have your off peak hours. But they are losing. Uh, uh, getting close to a million players off on off peak. Their peak today was one point two eight million, and right now they're at half a million, and we're pretty much at the bottom of the uh, roller coaster right now. Grand, it Tuesdays is also maintenance day on Steam, so there's also maintenance, you know, tr- causing people to drop off as well. But it shouldn't affect those player numbers or. I don't think it does. Granted, I don't know how player battlegrounds works on their matchmaking, but that is a huge drop off. And it does make me think that a lot of this is, you know, people playing for just very short bursts and it just has a huge install place. As a matter of fact, we need to go see what the, oh, what the owner numbers is on uh steam spa. Cause this ought to be interesting, right? Player. Unknown. <laughs> battlegrounds. Did I, did I misspell something? According to this, 11 and a half million owners. That means one in 11, or, well, well, not quite, but, yeah. They have one in 11-ish players playing every day? That seems a little insane, doesn't it? That is a really stupidly high number. I mean, that's roughly, it's a little less than 10% of people, uh, of owners playing that game every day. Yeah, granted, yeah, this is the total player base, and we're working with concurrent player uh, numbers. So it's uh, even more than that. Because if it's, you know, people uh, hop on and play for an hour, at peak, you know, it's uh, 1.28 billion. Jeez, this is nearly a perfect line graph, like nearly (laughs) a perfect line from as far back as this goes, which is the 20th of June up to uh, a couple of days ago. I mean, it's nearly a straight line of just new players, new players, new players, new players. Well, uh, this has been such a uh, cash cow for Steam in general because... There's a lot of numbers coming in from just people doing analysis on this game because this is just a phenomenon. There's no other way to really uh, explain it. Uh, it does pull players from uh, CSGO, but a, a huge majority of the players are due to Steam. And I just don't uh, see yeah, where they're bringing the new players. Are, are oh, there... Are they are they coming from consoles? Because this is going to get a console release eventually. Isn't it only getting an Xbox release, though? Or is it also getting a PS4 release? I think it's only getting an Xbox. I'm not 100% certain. I mean, they'd be stupid to do only Xbox. 
Not if Microsoft threw shit tons of money at them for a timed exclusive or a complete exclusive. God, Does this Microsoft is have enough money to hold them? <laughs> Microsoft has more money than God. They're one of the richest companies on the planet. Yeah, but remember, we're also talking about the games division, not Microsoft as a whole. True, but I mean, they shelled out two billion dollars for Minecraft. True. Um. So, also, peak daily concurrent players has been a lot been rising at almost a steady rate since the same date, June twentieth to the eighteenth. There's a couple of dips. But it like it starts at around two hundred thousand and just climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs all the way up to what? one point three million. Oh, sorry, it dipped down to one point one million one uh, day. Okay, peak uh, daily concurrent players. Uh, it had a huge uptick from the week of. Uh, or, sorry, from uh, the fourteenth to the fifteenth, but that was also the day that they uh, hit the cat or hit the. Uh, the peak so i imagine that's you know people saying oh they're gonna hit the thing uh i want to be on at that point yeah also looking at the hourly concurrent graph it is it looks like a heartbeat Just yeah up and down up and down up but i mean it never drops below two hundred thousand. yeah it does seem like they're huh okay okay i found something interesting here okay their average uh time per player well, granted, it, it's it's been uh, fairly steady-ish. It looks like it's 88 minutes. It's actually a lot longer than what I expected it to be. Yeah, I don't know how long games last, or how long matches last. Uh, Not that long. That's Granted, it also depends on how lucky you are. But median time per player is... Uh, hang on. Average time per player... And then median time per player. I'm not sure what the difference on those are, but a median time is 45 minutes. Maybe, uh, well, median is just the middle, while uh, average is uh, uh, accounts for or brings in the outliers. So I imagine the streamers are on for yeah 12 hours brings that up hugely. Yeah. So probably median would be a better uh, 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 use for the average player, uh, as strange as that sounds, which uh, puts it as 45 minutes, which is probably two or three matches, uh, depending on how lucky or unlucky you are. Yeah. What sounds about right. Yeah. This game has made nearly $350 million, just doing some quick math. I mean, you know, that doesn't count like Steam taking their cut and taxes mm-hmm. and et cetera, but just like raw money before people start getting their cuts the, nearly 350 the million dollars for an indie game this is might be the biggest indie game since minecraft i think that's pretty safe to say man i mean this is i mean this is the next trend like we had mmos were big for a while and then mobas and now i think it's this i think it's the arena shooter I mean, I could be wrong, uh, but... Uh, slash Battle Royale. I think we're going to have two at once. Yeah. Which, have you noticed the common thread? No. no. Multiplayer. Oh. Yeah. I don't think we're really going to see a huge flavor of the month for single player for a long time. 
unless there's something groundbreaking, possibly with AI. I, th- I still think that's going to be the you know the big change because there is a huge difference between playing with a player and playing with against a bot. Unless yeah, it's, but unless it's uh, Dota two. <laughs> yeah. I just find I just find this fascinating. Like I'm so not interested in this, but uh, I mean, since you're logged in, can you go to the geography? It's, that ought to be interesting. <laughs> oh shit! By quite a lot, China. Uh, China's got nearly thirty percent of the player base. Hmm. Then the United States is in second place with uh, around eighteen percent. I wonder how many of those are the well the equivalent of the gold farmer. Then Korea, because I remember you know back in my MMO days, you would run into every so often uh, the Chinese gold farmer. Usually, someone using exploits, but for this, they just have to set up a you know a, a game and you know do nothing, or at least uh, unless the last patch did something. That's a very interesting thing and explains why there's such a huge dip whenever it comes to peak time for the uh, for Europe and the US. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, China Okay, I see what these two different numbers mean now. Okay, so China owns 33% of the copies sold and represents 28% of the player base. United States owns 18% with 15% of the player base. And then there's a massive drop down to Korea at 6% ownership with 5% player base. And it just goes down and down and down and down. The only other category is other that's big. But, I mean, obviously that includes everyone else that's not mm-hmm. their top their top people. That's fascinating. I mean, gaming originally has been, like, biggest in the United States and in Japan. And then we saw its larger pr- proliferation to Europe. And, you know, I mean, there's been some games and genres that have done really well in Asia prior. But a lot of games in, you know, China and Korea and and places like that don't sell very well because they're only interested in a few specific games. So to see a game that's very much different from your StarCraft and your Dota and things doing gangbusters in in china and korea that's fascinating i wonder what it is about this game that draws that audience in because they have a completely different value set and a completely different um completely different sociology to us which is one of the reasons that they tend to lean towards those games and this is pretty far outside the norm aside from it being multiplayer and competitive and I mean, maybe that's enough, but I don't feel like that should be enough for this game to sell so well in in Asian markets. Sorry, I was I, I decided to go ahead and set up my account. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, yeah, it's, it's well, I've used the word phenomenon several times, but yeah, you know, there's no other way to really uh, say it, right? Yeah. This is insane. I mean, we're, we're over the next couple of years, we're going to see a bunch of these from AAA developers. How we've seen GTA Five uh, put in uh, a battle royale mode already. We've seen uh, the Division also get it in a DLC. Uh, Fortnite has gotten it, so we're already seeing it. And and it's not that difficult to create. 
It's just there hasn't been a really good Battle Royale game until now. Or uh, People are saying that this is even that great. It's just good enough that it's capturing people. Right. Because there's a lot of complaints about bugs. There's uh, complaints about the devs. Well, for one, being dicks about uh, screwing people over on uh, for streamers. There's uh, them breaking their promise about microtransactions. The fact that it doesn't run all that great. Uh, I will forgive bugs because it is an early access game. It, it It's an early access game. With this numbers. Yeah. The, the early access system is uh, just going gangbusters for Steam. Yeah. I mean, this game is is more than twice as large. Like, has more than twice the player base of their other three games combined. Because Terra... They did Terra. I didn't realize that. Terra's got roughly four million... Four and a quarter million players. But, I mean, it's not even close to this. This is... Yeah, it's a phenomenon. Crazy gangbusters game. I just wonder what the next one's going to be. If we could figure that out, we would be millionaires. Well, we would also have to have some sort of uh, yeah programming shops. True. Or, or we would just yeah license it out. Like uh, we would get a a minion. <laughs> uh, put out a <laughs> put out an ad for uh, yeah a couple minions. But chemist does programming. He's he's made a a, a basic game before. Yeah, but uh, I would imagine uh, chemist would uh, rank above minion. Well, he could be like, I don't know, a lieutenant or something. We're like the Godfathers, and he could be like one level below us. I mean, you know, I'd cut Kimis in for, I don't know, ten percent, fifteen percent. You're just trying to fuck Kimis. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> not even uh, uh, trying to. Didn't, uh. Nah. All right. I don't really have anything else to say other than just like what the fuck so you want to move it on to our next topic the one that i tried to skip this one for <laughs> uh, when we actually had some interesting discussion yeah um anyways our next topic cliff blazinski has to keep the game alive i read the title already so yeah just go ahead uh, into it uh, 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 staying alive no not <laughs> really oh lawbreakers Oh, what a massive flop that was. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was out until people started talking about it. Yeah. And I think that's the, the crux of the problem. Lawbreakers is a hero shooter. Well, hey, look, second like hero shooter that's uh, either dead or dying uh, that, we ta- that we're talking about t- this week. I wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Lawbreakers is going to be a very interesting deconstruction on just what went wrong in general, outside of it, of Cliff Blazinski being, well, Cliffy B. Because there's a lot of people that don't like him. Yeah, I do like him, though. I like I like him. I'm not overly fond of him. He just uh, rubs me the wrong way. No, that's fair. He's got a pretty abrasive personality. Um, but I... Just the way that he goes about it is one of the things that I like about him because he's not – he's abrasive and he can be a dick, but he's not like 
a fuckwit. You know, he's not uh, he's not Randy Pitchford. That's true, but uh, he, isn't this also the second major game that he's had just completely flop? Or is that uh, Randy Pitchford? No, I think that's Randy Pitchford. As far as I know, this is uh, Blazinski's only major flop. Um, the re-release of what was it that came out earlier this year or last year? Um, crap. No thanks. Uh, I don't have to go right now. I forgot. I forget what the game is that he made that came out a few years ago, and they just did an HD re-release like six or seven months ago. It doesn't matter. I don't think the re-release was received that well because he tried to sell it for like 60 bucks and then also resell the DLC for it and people freaked out at that so they put it all together and lowered the price a little bit but yeah (laughs) anyways whatever you were going to say go ahead and say it I'll shut up well I think part of the reason why this is coming off as not very good for him well outside of you know lawbreakers just being absolutely dead is that he's trying to blame actually having information about the player base. And that really pisses me off. Saying that uh, the game's a lot more alive on uh, PlayStation 4, but we don't have those numbers in front of me. But uh, take my word for it, because I wouldn't totally lie about this. I honestly, like, in this one instance, I think I believe him. Because there's, one, a lot less choice on on console and two, they have a different standard for like what types of games that they play. Typically, a, uh, and probably a lesser also, standard, uh, and, and probably also you know a certain cutoff of what is considered a low player base in general. Granted, uh, they did say uh, in this article, this is GameSpot, so you have to take that with a huge grain of salt. One of the big issues with lower player figures is long matchmaking times. Here in Australia, GameSpot has not been able to find a match on the PS4 at all over the last two weeks after multiple attempts. We stopped trying the last time after 45 minutes of matchmaking. So that seems bullshit. Yeah, That is also Australia. So that is also a smaller player base. And typically Australia is, well, if you turn kind of the obvious, is an island of gamers when it comes to uh, online matchmaking. Because, yeah, they have uh, their, a lot it, of their uh, their pipes. Sorry, uh, I was waiting for a groan there. Uh, yeah, go, it's going fine. in and out uh, are typically not all that great. So matchmaking typically uh, tries to limit to just Australia, or maybe go to Oceanic servers if there are any. Yeah, yeah. Australia somehow managed to be one of the only countries in the world that has internet that's worse than the United States. Yeah, bravo. Good job, guys. You did it. Goodbye to our Australian listeners, if we have any. (laughs) It's been nice. That's true. That's true. Your uncle. Yeah, And I I suppose uh, that Relic would suffer, too. Yeah, but he's a Kiwi, so he doesn't count. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Bye, Relic. (laughs) Bye, guys. Love you. Yeah, um, uh, well, uh, Henrock's still my medic in uh, Rimworld, so he has that going for him, which is nice. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they haven't 
made an announcement about make, turning this game free to play, at least not that I've seen. But I feel like if you're going to save your game, Cliffy, just make it free to play. But just don't say, do what? <laughs> uh, Battleborn did and call a free trial. That's another thing that we didn't really highlight on when we were talking about Battleborn. Was no, we that, talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, but not this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is they tried to bring in players by making it free to play, but they called it a trial. And every time I saw, you know, free trial, uh, uh, when it comes to that game, it, you know, my mind says free trial. Well, demo. No. Yeah, demo. No. And I imagine that, you know, someone that's less informed and doesn't know that that's free to play or, you know, the free to play version would just assume demo and, you know, not want to try it. And it's just stupid on their part to even do that. So, or I should say to use that terminology. And terminology is very important when it comes to marketing. Yeah. So I wonder if, uh, you know, Lawbreakers is going to go free to play at some point. It, it, was, it was originally going to be free to play. That's also the thing. And they changed it around to be a premium hero shooter. And the thing is, it isn't Overwatch. <laughs> nope. Is that the only uh, premium hero shooter that's uh, been successful? It's the only one I could think of. Yeah, same here. All the other uh, winners in the genre has been free of play. I guess technically Team Fortress 2, but it's free to play now, so... Yeah, and that was also really before it was considered a hero shooter. Or, yeah. Because back then it was class-based. And that there's a... I would say that there's a difference in class-based and hero in that class-based usually has some sort of subclass that you could also do. And also it's usually a smaller number of classes compared to heroes. Yeah. Because you only have non-classes in Team Fortress 2. And whenever you get around to, yeah, with the weirdo subclasses, there's only, I would say, Demo Knight, uh, a more combat-oriented uh, engineer. And that's really it that is really important to know about. Before you get to, you know, odd things like different ways the spies can be played. And also another uh, important distinction between class-based shooter and hero shooter would be there could be more than one class. It, uh, hero shooters are all Highlander. There could be only one. There could be only one. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any other successful ones, though. Not, I mean, well, premium ones. I mean, the free-to-play ones do a little bit better, but, you know, they're free. So yeah. people are more willing to try them out and maybe get get in them. Yeah, well, not me. I uh, didn't really care for Paladins. Fair enough. Neither did Ghost Shark. But I like it. So you got that going for you. Which is nice. <laughs> uh, do we really have anything else to say? I mean... How are they going to keep this game alive? Where are they just going to develop to have all the developers playing full time and double the player base? That would work. That would be one way. Although eventually they'd run out of money because they're not doing any work. They're just playing, just playing the game. True. Uh, I'm, uh, now I'm uh, heading up for Steam Spot for <laughs> Lawbreakers. It seems I already like looked. It's not good. Abysmal. Oh yeah. 
Like you can see where it's like listed as like the beta. There's wow. hundreds of thousands of people playing the beta, and then as soon as it goes live, it drops to like twelve, thirteen thousand owners. Lawbreakers, uh, Twitch Prime. Uh, let's see, available on Steam. Wow, the the owners at launch was eighteen thousand. It, it's really plateaued as well, and that's the thing. That's that, that's the problem. They their peak owners is eighty thousand. That is not good. Not nope. good at all. <laughs> and there hasn't been a price drop. It's still at $30, which isn't hugely expensive, but it's definitely not <laughs> a cheap game. Yeah. Do you think it would have done a lot better if it was 20 No. I don't think so. Maybe it might have done better at like a, a $10 buy-in. Which would like get you almost everything, and then you, you know, could spend more money to unlock the rest of everything. But I don't think twenty dollars would have really made much of a difference. <laughs> twenty the, versus the, thirty. The, their daily Twitch stats looks like a child scribbled all over it. <laughs> it I, well, I'm. This is going to sound like a tangent, but all right, trust me on this. Uh, I've been listening to my podcast recently, and I'm have a huge backlog. And there's a strange uh, correlation or a strange lining up of things where I'm listening to some of my older gaming podcasts talking about Lawbreakers uh, when it launches (laughs) and them talking about, uh, you know, hoping that it does better. (laughs) Right. And an interesting thing I've heard from particularly, uh, well, in the Co-Optional podcast is talking about how the game doesn't really try to teach you and a lack of uh, just general understanding of really all the nuances of the game. You think that could also be part of the downfall where someone goes in and because this game is so movement based in a zero G or low G environment, but players don't know how to use that. It makes it feel a lot more clunky and they don't want to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I listened to that podcast because I mean I'm all caught up on. Yeah, I'm like on it. Still forty hours on my podcast, and well, oh, such a me- <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny that there's so many positive reviews as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alrighty, well, I'm looking at the time. Do you still want to do our general topic? Oh, or... yeah. I, I, think okay. we, I don't think it's going to be a long general topic. Okay. But I do think it's an important one to talk about, particularly since uh, there's been the Cuphead debate. There, there was Polygon's uh, Doom uh, gameplay, uh, what, a couple of years ago now. Just do game journalists have to be good at video games? Competent, Yes. Good uh, depends on how you really define good for me. Yeah. Because there's a very big difference between someone that could climb the ladder in StarCraft and someone that understands the nuances enough to be able to explain it. Yeah. I think game journalists need to be capable at video games. You need to be able to relatively quickly 
grasp what the game's mechanics are, what's going on, be able to get, you know, be decent enough at it that you can get through enough of the game to do your review or do your coverage, depending on what type it is that you're doing. Um, and, you know, different types of coverages would require different skill levels and time commitments. But I don't think you have to be, air quotes, good at video games to be a journalist. But I think it was TB who said this on the Co-Optional podcast a couple of weeks ago. You, there does have to be a certain level of base competence because this is your actual job. If you are a real games journalist, like that gets paid or that has a, a following on YouTube or whatever and you receive enough uh, enough support to do it as a job you need to be competent at it like you would be at any other job that you held so yeah, and the problem with covering video games is that it's interactive you you just can't just sit there well unless it's an auto game then you kind of have to do just sit there but yeah you have to interact at some point and there's really no other entertainment medium that does that uh, having someone that's never played a game uh, trying to do a review is like having a blind person trying to talk about cinematography in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. That is an excellent way to put it. Um, I think the issue with the Cuphead video and debate and everything that sprung up from that a couple of weeks ago, I don't think they should have released that footage. Like, if you need 20 minutes to adapt to a video game that maybe, you know, has very tight controls or different, slightly different timing or whatever that you're used to, and supposedly, like, that first level in Cuphead is pretty hard. Like, most people have said that it takes them a lot longer than they think it's gonna going to to get through that first level as they're getting used to, like, the different timings of the game and just the way the art style affects the way that you play it because it made things look different. Like, that's all fair and good if you need 20 minutes or so to get used to a game. But you don't release that footage and make people think or that you're just the worst. Well, here's the thing, is that if you release it, own up to it. Say, I wasn't very good, uh, and at least try to say, it's my fault. Don't yeah. turn it on your audience, say, hey, you don't understand how hard it is explain it right but also at least in the footage release there's no commentary and that's also something that i think people don't really take into account just how much of your attention is drawn away when you're chattering away trying to be at least somewhat entertaining it makes it so that you may miss things that are just obvious on screen at least in the footage, there was none of that. And that's also that's something that you know, doesn't make them look nearly as good. So maybe you were sitting there talking to someone that you know, was making them miss the obvious you know, step here and then jump up and do this dash thing, which I will admit that the dash, it, it, it took them a couple times to get the timing right, and that's perfectly understandable. There was a jumping sequence in Guacamelee that I don't think I ever got past, and I had a very small timing window to be able to do a, a certain button combination. Granted, this isn't a, the exact same thing where Guacabelli had a button combination while this is just a single you know, hit of a button. But it's the same general idea of a timing uh, puzzle for a jumping uh, platforming section. 
granted that this is also the tutorial and the guacamelee it was probably about halfway through the game but yeah same general idea but i also wasn't recording guacamelee right so yeah i mean i i feel like that's you know this is one of those things that because it's the internet people get way more upset about it than what seems necessary but well, I mean, I feel like them can poop. Yeah, I feel like if you're doing this as your job, there's a certain level of competence that is required. And if you're doing it as just a hobbyist or just for fun or as a joke or whatever, then you're not in the same category as someone who is a video game journalist. Because and I think also, that Im- if you release the boop, uh, the blooper wheel uh, reel, oh, up to it. Yeah, and that's the uh, that, that's I think that's the main takeaway, at least from the Cuphead debate, is that. They were trying to divert the blame onto practically everyone except the person holding the fucking controller. Right. Also, something that you can do if you're going to release a blooper wheel, add a little bit of commentary, put some silly music on it, something that makes us be like, haha, this is a joke. They were. Well, they may not have been able to legally do that uh, because this is a pre-release copy. They may have had a, uh, a uh, clause in their non-disclosure agreement. Or their embargo. I see. Uh, that makes sense. Good point. Or at least I should say for the you know, funny music. Uh, having some sort of commentary or even just you know, text on the screen uh, may have uh, been a uh, step in the right direction. But it really is up to the developer if they allow that. And I, and I completely understand them wanting to have, you know, non-commentary just uh, gameplay out there but at the same time this doesn't make their game look particularly good yeah but maybe this comes back around to the whole PewDiePie versus <laughs> Firewatch of any publicity is good publicity yeah Which, in this case I really don't think so <laughs> yeah I don't think so either but you know whatever I guess alrighty well are you ready to move on to our community corner I think so. Okay. Oh, look. Crickets again. That's our, fine. Our that mail just sack me- is empty. That just means I might make it to bed by one thirty. What, you just want me to tuck you in? Sure. Oh, my. Okay, we did have one tweet, though. From Chemist. I need to see uh, pics of me and, S-com- and XCOM as soon as possible as possible. <laughs> he saw. Yeah, yeah. He said ASAP as possible. So I'm picking on him ever so slightly. And we did have two questions of the week since we were gone as well. I'm doing this slightly out of order just to annoy Jared. It's fine. Uh, question of the week number one: What is the toughest moral choice you've made in a video game, and what did you pick? Plata uh, said Mass Effect One: Saving the Council versus not saving the Council. I chose to limit the loss of human lives. Which in turn meant the council perished. And that was our only response there. Uh, for me personally, at least recently, I would have to say uh, killing versus not killing alternate Chloe in uh, Life is Strange. It's one of those things that it makes absolutely no difference in the story, but I haven't been hauled on it anyway. Yeah. That was a really good one. Um, yeah. Still, though, I think the biggest one that I've ever had that gave me the most pause was in... I I think I've even talked about this before. was in Mass Effect 2 
uh, if you do Legion's loyalty mission, at the end of the mission, you get to choose between destroying, like basically committing genocide, killing millions of Geth that are like in stasis mode, so they like pose no threat, mm-hmm. or uh, like inserting a piece of code into their mainframe that basically brainwashes them into joining your side. And it's like, do I commit genocide or uh, brainwash, mass brainwash or mass brainwash? And like, neither choice is a good choice. But it's like, this is what you have to do. Like, these guys are a threat, and we can either destroy them or we can turn them to our side. And I actually stopped playing the game for a little while and just sat there and thought about it. Uh, and ultimately, I chose brainwashing, uh, going for the sort of like greater good. Like, well, the Reapers are coming, and these are like three million soldiers we could have to fight them. And then I felt bad about what I did, but ultimately, I felt like it was the right choice. The, the need of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one or the one or at least until the sequel (laughs) so that that does kind of take away the moral uh uh yeah uh, lesson whenever they you know sacrifice so much for spock in the next movie yeah but i guess yeah uh getting mr pointy years back uh, was very good for the franchise indeed leonard nimoy was was great he was one of the best and I just remember that he's dead now, and that makes me sad. Oh, don't worry, Shatner's still around. Last I checked. Shatner's pretty good, too, but Litter Nimoy was better. Anyways. Uh, oh, also, kind of a joke one for me for moral choice would be whether or not to flood or not to flood my uh, trading uh, depot in Dwarf Fortress whenever the elves show up. Wait a minute, that wasn't a tough choice at all. Elvish bastards. I love elves. Yeah, we go too. through this. Uh, we they, go through this they, they, every they time. They are delicious. We go through this every time. I love elves. I, I play elves because they get bonuses most of the time to magic. I need to get you to play dwarf fortress to have you join my side. I give you three trade caravans before you get pissed off at them. So the other uh, question of the week was: What game do you think has the most impressive weather effects? This was uh, a little kind of joke for you, since you were, you know, hanging out in your storm bunker. Right. Uh, Kyle uh, responded, honestly, Grand Theft Auto Online, at least I assume that's what GTAO is, Yep, has pretty awesome weather effects, including cloud layers. Weather effects are something I haven't given a lot of thought to, though. I would have to say, for me, it would be Mad Max. Some of the uh, just massive... Uh, dust storms are rather impressive yeah definitely the division that is some of the best snow modeling and snowfall modeling i've ever seen with you being able to leave footprints that can get filled in by fresh snowfall um the storm effects whenever a snow snowstorm blows through are just phenomenal so yeah and that like is the three different corner for the week. Uh, if you wish to contact us, you can email us vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us vglpodcast on Twitter. And the question of the week, assuming I don't screw up the date again, appears Friday evenings, Eastern time. Sweet. Well, let's move on to our last topic, which is our Steam Discovery queue. Music. Yes, music. Let's have some. And let's see if I get anything actually good. 
Oh, well, here's something interesting. Dishonored, Death to the Outsider. Isn't that the DLC? Uh, that's, uh, it's actually a standalone. Or, okay. or expandalone, or whatever you want to call it. it uh, I haven't played Dishonored in... Uh, it's been on my to-playlist for ages. I, I do have reservations just because of its publisher, but that's, yeah, me being me. Right. But if you could get past, you know, it being a Bethesda-published game, it may be good. I haven't heard a lot about it, but then again, I've been... Well, I shouldn't say actively avoiding it, but not really looking into any of the coverage because I didn't want any uh, possible story spoilers because I do intend to play Dishonored at some point. I originally uh, was playing it and I kind of got sidetracked and I started reading things, and but, you know, Bethesda. That's kind of their thing. Yeah, I like Dishonored 1. I haven't played Dishonored 2. Yeah, which so, is a standalone for Dishonored 2. Yeah, so I got an interesting one. Uh, Iron Tides. This looks like, or it's a turn-based Viking battle game that includes both naval combat and land-based combat. It says it's a roguelike, so replayability. But it looks neat. It's got a cute art style, too. Oh, I just got another one. Epic Tavern. Grand, this is an early access title, so all reservations there uh, do apply. It looks to be a fantasy tavern uh, tycoon game. It is on uh, your wish list, but then again, most of Steam is on your wish list. Lots of stuff is. I don't remember ever seeing that game, so. Well, it, you're listed here. You want it. You oh, I need don't. It. I believe you. I just don't remember it. There are a lot of games in this genre, but there hasn't been one that's been particularly good yet. And that's kind of odd. It's odd that there hasn't been a really good tycoon game for a fantasy tavern yet. Now that I really think about it. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like the natural quest hub for fantasy worlds. You would think that there would be something about that, but no. Not yet, yeah. at least. What is... What? Okay, I have to re- I have to read for a moment about this. Okay, well I I can cover you. I got another one. Land The Land of Pain. The Land of Pain is a Lovecraftian horror adventure. That sounds very interesting. Because that really suggests me what I want in a horror game. I will admit that I'm not a huge horror fan, but I do like my more psychological side of horror. Only problem is that so much of horror is either jump scares or gore, both of which I'm not a particular fan of. But this has some really impressive looking screenshots, granted that doesn't really mean a lot these days, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. But it looks like it is pretty well reviewed, and uh, it looks interesting at least. So and, and that's really the point of the discovery queue, at least, well, for me. Yeah. So I don't like the name of this game, but it looks fascinating. Let me drop the link before I start talking about it. Yeah, let's drop that link. All right. I don't really like the title of this, Dark Future Blood Red States, but it looks like... Electric Boogaloo? Uh, it looks like a sort of tactical car combat 
game that's set in like near future dystopian America. What in the hell is this? Yeah, the screenshots don't really do it justice, and neither do the videos. But the description down here in the features talks about uh, Looks strategy. Like it's not available till next year, though. So who knows yeah. what this is going to turn into? Similar to games you played, Hard West. <laughs> no. That doesn't look like anything, yeah, like Hard West. Yeah. It looks neat, though. I'm going to keep an eye on this. Okay, oh. here's another one for me. But I typically have a lot more on uh, my Discovery Cues than you, so because I'm more lenient onto uh, the... Huh, that looks interesting. Academia School Simulator. Another kind of... Uh, Interesting subgenre of t of tycoon games. So this is my second tycoon game so far today. Uh, you would think that would be a lot easier to do, but I've I've seen a couple of games try to do a school uh, simulator or uh, some sort of school tycoon game, and just not do all that well. This looks like it could be good. It's borrowing at least partly the uh, prison architect's uh, art style. Granted, everything is more uh, boxy than uh, ovals like prison architect. Early access once again. So, uh, I, I just got cook served delicious. Which is funny because you mm -hmm. talked about it earlier. I'm not going to put it on the list. We, you covered it as one of your games. Yeah. It's like they also have a political game uh, from the same developer, so or same publisher. Looks like they at least have some sort of uh, idea of what to do with Tycoon Green. Early access, so who knows how it ends up. And there's a lot of people complaining about bugs. It, that's something I've... It's kind of weird to uh, complain about bugs, but at the same time, it makes sense to talk about them. Uh, for an early access title, I'm not sure where I really come down on so, okay. Muv Love Alternative. This is oh, a visual, visual novel. Visual novel. It's the third story in a trilogy. It's a it's a forty buck visual novel, so hopefully it's a good one. I'm uh, actually that, gonna... that's actually a very highly rated one if I recall correctly, or at least the first one in the trilogy. I'm I'm actually gonna link the uh the bundle. Cause I mean, why would you buy the third one and not the first two. I was gonna say Muv Love. That looks neat. I'll, I'd love to pick that up at some point because it's it looks like there's Mecca and it's all about a group of all the protagonists are female. Yeah, if I recall correctly, I double check this. I believe it's one of the more highly rated uh, games on uh, the Visual Novel database. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Muvlove Love Alternative is, let's see, top games, top sort by rating, number one. Oh, okay. Sweet. I'm in. That's my list, by the way. That was my la the last game on, yeah, on my uh, list. Yeah, the rest of mine were absolute crap after that, but yeah, Muvlove Love Alternative is rated a 9.17. Damn. That's good. That's high up there. Well, and that's out of ten, by the way. Next time I've got a hundred bucks to spend, I guess I'll buy the Muv Love trilogy, or just wait for it to go on sale. 
It looks like it's been on sale a couple yeah, times before. See, uh, well, according to this, Web Love Alternative is classified as a very long to uh, novel at 50 hours plus. Number two is si uh, Stein's Gate with uh, White Album 2 uh, rounding out the top three, which White Album I don't think is on Steam, but the first two are. Yeah, it's like, is this game relevant to you? <laughs> visual novels. Yes, I've played many visual novels. It's relevant to me. But obviously not enough if you don't know Love Love. i never heard of it before. I've never seen it before. I'm in, though. I'm in. I'll buy it. But yeah, so you if that's... buy that for $100. But yeah. So that's it for our lists, then? Yep. Alrighty. I'm all, I'm all tapped out. Then let's move on to the portion of the podcast where I go first, where I tell you about my things... Uh, if you want to find my YouTube channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. I have my first real, genuine, uh, long-running series that I've started, which is my VGLCOM series. Hey, you had uh, one before. Well, I mean, like, all me. Like, this is all me. That's what I mean. Ah. So, so I'm not dragging you down. Got it. <laughs> you're supposed to say, no, of course you're not dragging you down. No, of course you're not dragging me down, Rage. We are friends. Why would I say that? Anyways, uh, VGLCOM, by the time that this episode goes up, there will be the first two official episodes. I guess three if you count episode zero, where I go over my mod list and things. Uh, and then I had like a 1.5 episode where I talked about the recording issues and having to go back and redo episodes two and three. But uh, those are already scheduled and ready to go for this week and next week. And two will be up by the time this video goes live. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to do one a week for a little while. And just see how far I get ahead. I might go to two a week if I'm able to record enough. But my recording schedule, like, to do my own thing is a little bit wonky. Just because of the some of the chaos that goes on in my life. Uh, so and I I'll, eat up a lot of time as well. Yeah, but it's time well spent. Anyways, my, my re personal recording schedule can be a bit wonky. So I'll probably keep it at one a week for a, a good long time. But if I'm ever able to get far enough ahead, I'll swap to two a week. Um, but yes, other things that appear on my channel, you can see them by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube, like I said already. If you want to follow me in other places, you can do so over on Twitter by following me at JMA4707. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And if you want to be friends with me on Steam, where I accept all of the lovely, lovely friend requests from all of the lovely people, my Steam username is jarthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is YARG! That will have to come down a couple of notches <laughs> in editing. Well, let's just put it this way. It's uh, full red on my screen. <laughs> we'll see what uh, normalization does to that. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. What can I say? Right. All right, what about you, buddy? Uh, well, assuming that you're still around, which I'll be a shock. Uh, you find three Let's Play series, well, at least in theory, on my YouTube channel. I, I've been skipping a couple episodes on uh, Van Helsing just because, uh, I, well, for one, I've just been tired and not feeling all that great uh, for a couple of nights, but also... It's kind of just a middling uh, trudge through it to see where the story goes, because combat just sucks in that game. 
I'm just standing around watching everything else do everything, you know? Right. Uh, RimWorld is still a very mature series. Oh, except for me when I'm immature. I had a (laughs) couple deaths. Uh, Mother Nature is kind of a bitch. Let's just put it this way. The Predators have come out to play. I lost one colonist to a honey badger. Honey badger don't care. Except for human flesh. No, I'm not joking. They actually got eaten by a honey badger. And then I had a colonist land in a escape pod. Uh, it was uh, naturally down because that's you know, how things ca- happen with the uh, that particular event. Right in front of a bear. And the bear um, was hungry. So, yeah. Lost that opportunity. Nummy. <laughs> Well, what's kind of funny was the honey badger uh, attacked a colonist, and that colonist had porridge. Well, after the colonist died, he dropped his inventory, and there was a bear nearby, and he ate the porridge. And I just started chuckling. Well, at least I thought it was funny. (coughs) You okay over there? Yep, yep, yep. My throat is starting to give out, and I've run out of beverages. Oh, my. I didn't think I was that rough on your throat this week. Oh, yeah. You always are. Oh, and of course, Divinity, we're basically on the bleeding edge of what content we have. (laughs) We're trying to keep ahead, but uh, may have to try to do something or just skip a couple days. Really depends on just, uh, you know, if I'm able to capture a certain someone for recording night when they're not busy doing their own thing. That is probably a lot more interesting to the general public than episode 500 of a, a series. Because that is also a problem of a uh, long series is, you know, people don't want to come in on episode 500. They want to come in on episode 5. Or 1. Well, I was, yeah, using a, a power of 100. I was. Or, I did. But I messed it up. This is why we can't have nice things. Yep. I blame you. That's fine. Yeah, I definitely blame you. It's all your fault. Uh, but let's see, Sunday Sampler should uh, still be going on, and of course, uh, this podcast appears on my channel as well, Game Here with Caffeine Rage, if you still have hearing. <laughs> or if you wish to t- see me tweet somewhat randomly about who knows what, you can find me over at the Twitter, Game Here with CR. This week, well, last couple uh, tweets, I was wondering why Trump is uh, picking a fight with Elton John. Because Elton John's just that fabulous. Well, he is the Rocket Man. Uh, I can't sing right now. <laughs> I like you like this. I don't. I, I My approve. throat hurts. I, I approve of this message. Okay, so if you wish to contact us once again, it is vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet us vglpodcast on Twitter. If you wish to help pay for Jared's throat surgery, you can help us out at patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to see our lovely, lovely show notes, well, that'll actually be a first, but if you wish to see the monstrosity that is the show notes and all the related links, you can find us bglpodcast.podbean.com as well as on iTunes and Google Play if you don't want to use RSS, but RSS is available on Podbeam as well. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and Doobly Doo is used as well with the Discovery Cube by Kevin McLeod as well. 
That kind of got away from me, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. But as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. Bye. Bye bye.